0: Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free thirty-day trial, go to mubi.com/filmstage. To Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the Movie Review Podcast for the FilmStage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Michael Snydell. Hello. How's it going?
1: It's going. It was snowing a lot. It's snowing less now.
0: Yeah, the weather's been unstable the last couple weeks. Uh, To that point, Bill Graham is not with us today because the entire state of Texas is covered in ice, and this may shock people to learn, but Texas is not well equipped for that so if,
1: Biden declared a state of emergency there. And and I just want to say we were uh, it wasn't Dallas, but it was like Fort Worth or something. And I was looking at uh, uh, one of our friends Instagrams and it was like barely an inch of snow and they were freaking out about it. And in Chicago, like just, they they yeah.
0: have no context for it. Like I, I like to talk about when I first moved to Texas, my my second Christmas there, it snowed. And people tried to make a snowman, and they did it by raking snow into piles. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, you know, they just, they don't know how to do it for fun, and they don't know how to do it for basic living. Anyway, (laughs) so Bill's not here, but we have a very special guest uh, here today to help us talk about Judas and the Black Messiah, and that is Sarah Tai.
2: Hello! Hello!
0: (laughs) How are you doing?
2: I am all right. I am also in the snow, but... uh canada version of snow so there will be no state of emergency even if they're actually at the state of emergency
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh we had snow and then we had like a little bit of snow that didn't stick and then on sunday no yeah sun saturday everything got covered in ice here and it was beautiful and it was
1: treacherous and it's all gone now I, I I want to say before we uh, fail to do so, it's Sarah Taya Black. We didn't say your whole name. I, I
2: was going to correct you, and then I was like,
3: I'm I, so don't know. I am so sorry.
1: I am not to that's, defend that's my myself,
0: fault. but I did ask at the beginning if that's how you wanted to be introduced <laughs> up at oh, the top. Oh, sorry.
3: I thought you oh,
2: meant just my first wow. name.
0: Oh, okay. No, no, no. So that is my mistake but uh, I came by it honest. Anyway, uh, would you like to... Now that we've finally gotten the full name out, would you like to uh, introduce yourself a bit to our audience?
2: <laughs> sure. My name is Sarah Ty Black, and I'm a <laughs> film programmer and a critic, um, an arts writer, and a curator from Toronto. And um, most of my work focuses a lot on, like, the effective and political potential of Black life on screen and in media. So... That's basically my bread and butter.
0: Awesome. So we picked a good one for you. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, before we get into that, the usual stuff up top, uh, you can find us online at Twitter, uh, at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Email us, podcast at Give us a comment, a rating, and a review on iTunes. And, of course, you can become a patron of this here podcast by going to patreon.com slash Show, where you can join our Slack channel, get first crack at all of our awesome film-related raffles. And, of course, we are brought to you by Movie, uh, the curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films from around the globe. Every day Movie rears a new film, whether it's a timeless classic, a cult favorite, or a clay masterpiece, it's guaranteed to either be a movie you've been dying to see, or one you've never heard of before, and there will always be something new to discover. Uh, all of these films are hand-selected by their curators, so you don't have to worry about just getting whatever random Michigas is part of a streaming package bundle deal. Movie has a very interestingly titled Double Bill going on. It's Killer Heartthrob a Ryan Gosling Double Bill. I'm going to read the copy. We don't need an excuse to devote a double bill to the insouciant charms of Canada's resident heartthrob. And the face that launched a thousand memes, Ryan Gosling. Over the years, Gosling's many star-making performances have come to embody the flawed Hollywood anti-hero searching for human connection amid the cultural detritus of modernity. With that in mind, let's celebrate the contemporary icon with two of his classic performances. Michael Snidell, are you aware of this double bill?
1: I, I am aware of
0: it. Do you know which titles they've selected?
1: I do not. Okay, would you like to guess? <laughs> I'm going to say Blue Valentine. That is correct. Ed Killer Heartthrob? Yeah. Okay. I feel like it's... <laughs> It's got to be a Nicholas Wynne and Reffin. That is correct. I guess it's probably Drive. I was
0: about to say the answer may shock you. It's Only God
1: Forgives. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, man, that I, movie. <laughs> I love
0: that movie. Uh, <laughs> Only God Forgives. And Blue Valentine will be coming to their streaming service. Uh, they also have their Sundance Favorites review going on with Family Life and Monsieur Lazar.
1: So, <laughs> and the real girl coming though <laughs> that's, I
0: guess that's that would be their like socially awkward heartthrob with half nelson <laughs> socially awkward is a lot different than socially know, I, dysfunctional I, I know I know I do love half nelson though um ryan gosling a uh, controversial opinion I'm a fan <laughs>
1: <laughs> the rest of the internet yes
0: Uh also want to once again for like the third week in a row highlight the fact that dead pigs is on the platform as well uh yeah. so check that out and um that is that so if you would like a free 30-day trial of movie all you got to do is go to mubi.com slash film stage again that is mubi.com slash film stage for a whole month of great cinema for free and that's that um you covered the bases there. Uh, unless there's anything else to talk about, we can dive straight into our review of Judas and the Black Messiah.
1: I think we're ready.
0: <laughs> All right. That is awesome. This film is the second film to be released under uh, Warner Media's new little day and date thing. So it's in theaters now. In the also... U.S. <laughs> yes. That is, that is a solid point. That was very germane to our guest. So if you're listening in the U.S.,
3: It's easy. Sorry for my...
2: If you're in Canada, honestly, I still can't even tell you. I have watched the film and I cannot tell you where you're supposed to watch it. I feel like my editor at the Globe and Mail is the only one who knows where these movies are going. You like
0: slid through like some sort of temporal loophole and came out the other side and no time had passed, but you'd still seen the movie.
2: Exactly. I just like went to Buffalo for a second and I came back to Toronto.
0: (laughs) It's not that far. I've driven that. Um... But yes, uh, so *Juice and the Black Messiah* is currently on HBO Max in the United States, and is out in theaters. Um, this movie is directed by Shaka King, and stars Daniel Kaluuya and Keith Stanfield and Jesse Plemons, amongst many others. And is a fact-based account of the story of Fred Hampton, chairman of the Illinois Black Panther, deputy chairman of the Illinois Black Panther Party, and his uh, betrayal by uh, William O'Neill, who was an FBI informant. And here is the trailer.
3: Deputy Chairman Fred Hampton of the Illinois Black Panther Party. (laughs) Repeat after me.
0: all right so that is part of the trailer for juice and the black messiah again it's out now in america <laughs> you can watch it on hbo <laughs> um and for the rest of the world we just don't we don't know no we
2: don't idea. know that's the truth
0: we it's don't out there know. somewhere in the ether just reach out and grab it Maybe through the power of positive thinking <sighs> Anyway, this review, like all of our reviews Will begin with a non-spoiler section Where we give our nutshell thoughts Before we move into a deep dive into spoiler territory However, this is a reality-based movie uh, Based on actual stories. Inspired, I yeah, think it's the yeah, language yeah. That's why I said reality-based It's a true right, story all
3: right, all right. Every
0: goddamn thing happened exactly <laughs> as you see it um, This is a, a fact-informed <laughs> Historical oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah it's uh it's difficult to even know what spoilers are but just make the assumption that you know the further in we go the more detail we'll get into anyway sarah ty would you like to start us off with your basic thoughts on judas and the black messiah
3: Sure. <laughs>
2: I
0: can make Michael go first.
2: <laughs> make Michael go first, and then I'll add on. Sometimes it's hard for me to come right out the gate, or I just like, I go too. I, uh, I hit the NOS too soon you know?
0: <laughs> Damn, I wish we'd been able to see that. Maybe I should start giving I like we gotta do it billionaire style, right I got to give our guests like three lifelines know yeah. <laughs> you can you can pass your turn on to someone else.
3: you can make me mute someone.
2: <laughs> well I've, I've like since I've watched it and even before I've been reading all about it from like black folks on Twitter. So I'm just like really riled up so I feel like we gotta ease the people listening <laughs> to it.
0: All right. Well, no one is better at uh, easing tensions than Michael Snydell.
3: <laughs> yeah. Because um... it sure as shit isn't
0: me. So, Michael Snydell, what are your thoughts
1: on Judas and the Black Messiah? This is going to be really funny if we're all negative on this movie. I, I think this movie's an absolute mess, and it's so frustrating because I think. There are, I'm just trying to even think of how I want to start this. There are. That's so, the thing.
3: <laughs> there Do you, are you want so me to many, start? <laughs> no, 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 no,
1: no. I, I'm trying to think of where I want to start with things that frustrate me.
3: Okay.
1: Um, there are so many things in this movie that I find incredibly interesting. I would watch a whole documentary about the Rainbow Coalition, I would have watched a, a whole movie specifically that's like a cradle to the grave biopic something I hate more than anything of Fred Hampton. I would have, uh, I I would have liked something that was only about, uh, you know, the kind of cultural history of the black Panthers. And instead Mm. we get the lens of a white cop looking into, uh, looking into black, the black Panthers from the outside, but it's so strange because this movie seems to almost be afraid of its subject and like even the possibility of what radicalism can mean outside of like these really stereotypical ideas of the Black Panthers like it it's really telling to me that this weird this uh, movie centralizes so much about, empowerment through through violence as opposed to like secondary community initiatives. It's almost like this movie is like it, it knows that it wants to be pro black Panthers, but everything about its structure and its framework and the way that it seems to view its primary characters just like doesn't make sense and even if you wanted like a single character's motivation like LaKeith Stanfield's uh Bill for instance um you don't get it <laughs> so like there uh, there are so many i i don't know what they were trying to do with this and if i'm going to be charitable i I'll, I'll say they tried too many things but i don't think this succeeds at being a good film about fred hampton a good film about bill or again in interesting like you know engaging correction of uh the cultural understanding of uh the black panthers and oh, whether it's specifically in chicago or across the country um so yeah this was just like incredibly frustrating to me even before you get into the nuts and bolts
0: all right sarah are you ready to go or should i go
2: no i'll go all i right. i i totally totally agree there are so many the thing that is ultimately the most frustrating for me is how just like inoffensive it is you know like those frustrations <laughs> i'm like i just sure. I, w- I would rather watch like a, a like a horrendous adaptation of this revolutionary figure's life there's something that's so <laughs> middling like this. And yeah. you know, there was I I read a review with Shaka King, the director, which was very enlightening and I can't remember where that was, sorry. And I read another um interview with the Lucas brothers, um, who were the co-writers, um it was in Variety by Robert sorry Robert, can't remember your last name. Robert Daniels? Yes, thank you.
1: Okay. Oh, who was the <laughs> do you know the writer for the first one, just so I can find it to credit?
2: I don't recall, but I'm sure it'll pop up. It was
1: Shaka King interview. I'll I'll look for it real quick. Sorry. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no worries. Sorry, I should have written that down. But um, Robert's interview with the Lucas Brothers is extremely, both interviews are extremely illuminating about the fact that I feel like the creators of this film have taken it upon themselves as some sort of source of pride of the struggle that they had. Pitching this to Hollywood executives, when in fact what they did was specifically try to make a film that was "quote unquote" sellable to white audiences and sellable mm-hmm. to people buying the film. So it's kind of like, I don't know, you can't have your cake and you eat it too. You made your you made your choice. You made you made your choice to lie in this bed of this certain. Um, format of filmmaking, which for some things is fine, but for something like a pseudo biopic about Fred Hampton is absolutely not fine at all. This is—it's this industry is exactly everything he's against. Like, how much? Not to like—I have nothing personally against Daniel Kaluuya. In fact, I might like him too much. Um, but it's like, <laughs> how much is he getting paid to play Fred Hampton in this movie? You know, like it's this whole industry is just based on the exact exploitation that Fred Hampton and all of his comrades are talking about. It just you can't see me, but my hands, I'm gesturing wildly. It drives me, it drives me at the wall that people can't see how glaring these like ironies and contradictions are just at the base level of industry. Never mind like the, the creative and narrative quote unquote choices, just, <laughs> oh, I'm getting out of breath.
0: As a person who sometimes rants about random stuff, I know that when you start saying quote unquote, you've like hit an apex and I'm so excited.
2: I even did the finger quotes. I'm just alone in my bedroom. It's like, what a quote. You know, it just I think that's, me, the, that's the funniest
0: thing about podcasts, though, is that like people like are having these heated arguments. And in your mind, you're listening to the podcast. and You kind of assume people are in the same room or like that's how your mind conjures it. But no, we're all just alone exactly. in like, a room in our house just going crazy. <laughs>
2: exactly. And it's just it just there's just even. Yeah, even that starting point clearly gets me riled up and i don't know i and i i hate there's like this this kind of false correlative about like this supposed struggle to get this film made which is like at the end of the day you did get it made with vast amounts of capital both like social <laughs> and financial but it's like <laughs> yeah. a weird like trying to parallel themselves with like black activists it's like no like you're you're quote unquote your struggle to get a hollywood film made is not the same thing as people like trying to get political prisoners out (laughs) and it's not like anyone has said this explicitly but it very much is the vibe of like i don't know i feel like in the past few years especially um as more black directors are coming into the sort of wealth that has previously only been afforded to white directors it's this narrative of like we've tried so hard to make to make it to this level, and it's like that level shouldn't have been the goal. <laughs> you know, it's like you 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 read this wrong. You're reading everything wrong, and now you're in a little room full with the two other ones like you, and you're all telling yourselves you're right, but you're wrong. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it just so anyways.
0: <laughs> that kind of That's... reminds me of um, of when we talked about a wrinkle in time and it was just like we we you know god bless that we've gotten to a point where anyone can make a completely like effects laden narratively inert adaptation of a classic novel
2: yeah i mean e- at least even that is like from what I gather, because as a child I refused to read that book because I thought it was weird. Um, but at least, <laughs> like, I remember like being so, so, such a little bitch about it, just like looking at the cover and be like, "This looks fucking weird." The cover like, with
0: it, like the big head and like the the yeah, horse person. Like yeah. I was
2: seven, and I was like, "Nah, <laughs> that's
0: not
3: for me." But
2: at least that is like literally the realm of fantasy. You know what I mean? <laughs> I have not seen this movie, but it's not an endorsement for Wrinkle Time. <laughs> <laughs> I have not read the book. <laughs> I do not know what I'm talking about when I talk about.
0: I mean, it's weird. You're not wrong. It's pretty weird.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. And you know, I don't know. A lot of what I've been saying is what I immediately came into the movie with because it's just it's not specific to this movie at all. It's you know, there's oh my God, Selma, oh my, like <sighs> Hidden Figures, like, One Night in Miami. Even I'm like, I'm just so yeah. tired. I I'm I I. I don't care to like imprint myself on a <laughs> legacy of someone who I didn't even know. And, and it's like, mm. I don't know. It's just, it's, I think that there's, um there's just a lot of like black upper-class folks who work in Hollywood who are trying to recast themselves in the same role as like black revolutionaries and kind of divesting from the like cooperative, communist marxist anti-imperialist politics and making it more about like self-esteem or like um uh, like achievements which is it's you know it's uh, it just drives me
1: nuts <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's amazing to the one other thing we should uh mention uh, before we continue is Small acts came out in the last couple months.
2: Also, right? I'm like, I don't. I try not to say dumb because I know it's ableist, but like in the mode of my fellow Black queer fans on Twitter, like, are you dumb? Like, Small acts <laughs> just came out. Like, what? do you, At least wait. Like, you know. And I wasn't even like a huge, huge fan of Small acts, but it has achieved so much more than what this movie has achieved.
0: I I agree with that. I am curious: is dumb an ableist thing?
1: Because to me, dumb is just like. I, th- I thought stupid was was my understanding but i yeah, just try to shy
2: away from them because i've heard it and if someone tells me i'm just like i trust you but right. then i want to sure. quote the internet so who am
0: i what am i supposed <laughs> to call people who are lacking in intelligence not because of like any fault but just because like they're lazy then or like you know uninformed just, i guess that
3: uninformed i've been saying ignorant, like yeah.
2: uninformed a lot and ignorant but there's sometimes because like I am not like uh, Mother Teresa. I do want to say that someone is unintelligent, but in a way that is mean. So that has been difficult for
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> See, for me, Don is this is. We've already gotten off track. We've got. We'll we'll talk offline about this. Um, <laughs> so here's here's the funny thing is last night Michael Snydell was like, guys, this movie. You know, in so the social historical context is super important, and we should like all try to like read up on it to be informed. And I was like, man, that really feels like it should be the job of the movie. I feel like I should be able to get enough. Like, I don't have the time to go hunting for articles, and then articles that like might contradict, or like Mm -hmm. otherwise go after like. To to feel like I've really gotten a well-rounded thing, you know, a viewpoint, I feel like I need to go to like 17 different sources Mm -hmm. and then see what people say about those sources. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do first before I start worrying about that? I'm going to watch the movie Um, (laughs) just to see what the movie gives me and what I can use as a jumping off point. And I afterwards uh, didn't do any of that research. I just... (laughs) i just well here's the thing i so i went thanks on, for coming on Sam. and I, I specifically found people who reviewed the movie with that kind of background um mm-hmm. there was a i think a review on vulture that was very Angelica good Bastion, I love yeah. her. Yeah. one of
2: my favorite critics yeah
0: so like great. i found great. that and i was like oh that's this is great like this is so like this mm-hmm. is so because there's a part of me that like Historical context is super important. I understand that, but also, like at the end of the day, a movie should indeed be able to stand on its own. So I wanted to come into the movie and see what it would give me, right? That I could then take, and all, I got nothing from this. Like
2: it, it like I think that most people, they Lucas Brothers have been very adamant and say that they didn't want to make a biopic, but it's it's <laughs> it's unavoidable in the fact that you might describe this film as some sort of biopic or a pseudo biopic whatever semantics i don't care it is what it is but it's like how do you make a movie within this vein of filmmaking that is so kind of uninspired and unoriginal and somehow miss the part where you're supposed to very obviously go through the history you know what i mean (laughs) it's like you have one job
0: you one (laughs) job you really gotta so i thought about a couple things while watching this movie i thought about the departed um they're obsessed that's a pretty obvious one uh i feel i i thought about i mean it's a productive comparison in terms of the the rats in a way (laughs) right because where i'm like i come into this movie and my thought process is oh it's an undercover guy movie right so what am i thinking i'm thinking of miami vice (laughs) i'm thinking of (laughs) the departed you know all these movies where at some point the dude who's in charge of the op has to say to the undercover agent, you're in too deep. You don't know which way is up. I'm starting to wonder whose side you're really on. I live for these cliches. Donnie Brosco is another one, you know? And I think that this movie fails even at that kind of pulp storytelling. Exactly. Which yeah. it, to me is the greater sin because then it's not like i'm gonna you know be like oh man that was so cool i wonder how much of that was real i'm really invested and there's nothing like you you should use that as a starting off point to build your characters because exactly. at the end of the day that third act where donnie brosco is is trying to save uh sonny you know, I have no idea what happens in Donnie Brasco. <laughs> right. Donnie Brasco is a great movie. There's always a part in the third act. Third act, act where... of The
1: Departed. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I, I got you. No one's funny.
0: trying to save anyone in The Departed, though. That's sort of the issue because that comparison breaks down. You really mm. do need a movie where, at some point, the person on the side of the law, like Point Break. Michael, you've seen Point Break, right? Yeah,
1: of course, I've seen Point Break. Right, where Johnny
0: Utah's like guy. <laughs> like, there's this still time to turn around. Like, you don't have to do this. Like. But none of that comes through in this movie. And I think...
2: No, sorry, go
0: on. Well, it basically, it's a failure of every single character in, in the writing and yeah. the direction and the acting. Like, there's... I just never... I never got in touch with anyone. I never knew what the hell was going on with Bill. And like, his... Lakeith Stanfield's performance is is...
2: It's messy. It's kind it's, of bad. It's yeah. Like I love him. He's not. He's not a great actor unless he's playing like different versions of himself, which is like you know that is what it is. I think yeah. a lot of people enjoy that, myself included. Um, but he's really not a great actor. He doesn't have the depth that is needed, especially with a script that's so loosey-goosey like this. Yeah. You know, it's like it, I'm imagining like if you just see Denzel Washington appear on screen, your mind projects so many things on him, <laughs> him that it will make up for a lot of like grievances or missing nuances in a script yeah. having just but...
0: seen the little things yeah 100
2: <laughs> but then lakeith and putting him across from daniel K- kalu oh my gosh never happened before and now it's happening in public record <laughs> um it's just it's it's just not a good look but going back to what you're saying about it failing at genre the real rub you can't see me, but I'm pounding my fist into my <laughs> hand. The real rub of that is that they fashioned this film as a thriller because they thought it would be more sellable than a like traditional bio effect That's like a, almost a direct quote, I think, from the Lucas Brothers. And it's like <laughs> you, have turned, you've tried to uh, like turn it into something more sellable and um, accessible, quote unquote. For white audiences, and you failed even in that. Right, you that's, know what the, I mean? that's like, the that's the issue. What hurts,
0: <laughs> if you're you going know? to do that, I'm one. By the way, I'm 100 on board with that. Like, if you say like this story could easily be turned into X, and in doing so, that will give us an E. Well, I just hit my I hit my microphone because I too am moving my hands. <laughs> will give us like an easier framework around which to then populate all of these heady ideas. I am here mm-hmm. for it. I mm-hmm. lo- like, that's, that's my juice to quote heat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, so I'm sitting and watching this movie and I'm like, I don't know if I 100% agree with everything. The black Panther stood for. You know, I don't know if I, you know, like blah blah blah. But what I you need, you not know from this right, movie.
1: That's if the you problem. You know nothing Is, about the Black
0: Panther. I'm having. We are all having so much trouble just sticking to a single thing because the second you say one thing, you can spin off into five other things that you're upset about.
2: My so, eyes are on fire.
0: <laughs> but that's the thing. Is like I, you, you need. They needed to lean almost more into the genre. To give themselves the 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 blank space to write in all of that stuff, like you gotta the the in in Donny Brosco in The Departed, right? There is the <laughs> moment where the 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 guy who needs to get on the inside finally gets on the inside, and then he gets to have the whole like, so what are we doing here? Conversation, yeah, yeah. you know? So like, what's our score? What's our game? And then the guy who he needs to get the information from or the witnesses and the the evidence against, will sit down and say, like, this is how we run our crew. Like, this is what we're doing. And there's never any, like, at the end of this movie, it really feels like if, like, Fred Hampton were to, like, be introduced to Bill, he might think it was their first time meeting. Like, there's not a lot of, <laughs> no. they don't even become, like, friends. Like, they
2: don't right? even. Like everyone how is do you... kind of just moving around each other, like kind of on a chessboard. But yeah, minus like... the smarts that you need to play chess, I'm assuming.
1: What is <laughs> it one of the major historical contexts of Bill O'Neill and Fred Hampton? Is other people did not or believed Fred Bill O'Neill was suspicious, and Fred believed he wasn't. Well, that's like I thought. the Whole thing was the closeness is what insulated him from the other Black Panther members. Uh, really intervening mm-hmm. in a way that would have saved I, I'm I'm trying to bring this up but I am almost sure because I remember that being like oh that's such a great historical detail Well, that's exactly. also the most cliched plot point in any
0: of these you know in former sure. insider things is like i'm the new guy i am inherently suspicious and then the guy on the top is like there's something about this guy i like him we're keeping him around and then the, the original second in command is like we haven't done a background check ever since he showed up shit started going wrong this guy is clearly a rat and then the guy at the top is like nah nah you're the rat bang and
3: then like
2: you know but the thing like there's a certain like it's like a- especially during the pandemic but generally also just in life because i'm very much like an introvert isolated person and i like to be alone um i was like making these weird like false facts like what in in terms of like the totally missing dynamism between hampton and o'neill in the film and even seeing that relationship build i was like well, you know what? They're like 20. So I guess you just like make friends really easily.
0: Okay. But that's the and other I, like, problem.
3: Myself,
1: and I was like, okay, stop. This is enough. 21 so, and 18 is right. what they're supposed to be at the end of that movie.
0: So that's yeah. the, that's the other problem. And I think that this is where the historical context does like, you know, help because like I'm watching this and I'm like, This feels, like, really unmotivated. And then I find out that, like, one of them was a teenager and the other was only 21 when he died. Exactly. And I'm just like, oh.
1: It's so
2: different. (laughs) Especially with O'Neill, it's like when you're watching him as Lucky Stanfield at Lucky Stanfield's big age, you're like, this fucking guy. But when at the end when you're like, oh, yeah, he was 17, you would actually feel bad. You're like, of course he was fucking confused. He was a baby. But it's like the movie just totally glosses over that and, like, doesn't even you know, at least try to, like, hey, kids, who wants a marijuana cigarette? Like, try to, like, (laughs) convince us that they're young. We just go into it, and it's, like, there's just so many choices in this movie that just undermine the Black Panther Party (laughs) and just Black radical politics from, like, even what we were talking about before, just, like, having no context for what the Black Black Panthers were doing on the ground in the communities, and even, like, what their aims, what their goals were. It's, like, it's like further subsuming this image of the Black Panther Party that we have is like totally removed from what it actually is. You know, it's like Beyonce at the Super Bowl. It's like an aesthetic. It's a flattened image. And it's Yeah. And it's I just think that so was,
0: annoying. That was in that review that I read, which uh, again was very good. Yeah, like Keith Stanfield is 29. So like
1: there's a huge difference between a guy Wait, who... We just, I, I need to ask this. I know we know going in that he's a rat, but is it me or is he the most unconvincing snitch ever like every every time he like changes his voice the way he moves everything about him is like and maybe if he was 18 i could believe well that's kind of the problem
0: (laughs) is that like a lot so like like stanfield's 29 so when he gets pulled in for this weird like you know grift that he's doing where he pretends to be the fbi and to like steal cars from people
1: like, it's like, kind of rolls a little bit <laughs> in a really fucked up way. It's, but
0: it's, I mean, it's a good idea. But like, it is the type of idea that a teenager would have, right? Exactly. Like, like when well, I see I, uh, a man who's nearly thirty pulling that, I'm thinking like, oh, this guy is like lost. Like he is a bad thief. Like this is yeah. not, this is not and the choice like, that an adult makes.
2: Exactly. And I'm not like I'm by no means like rooting for snitches or anything but he is still a kid and i do have some empathy for him but when you see him in the movie almost 30 or like like he's villainized almost (laughs) even (laughs) though like even historically he is the villain but at least we can give the benefit of the doubt of being a child right there's There's in the in the movie you're like what? this guy this guy
3: right
0: (laughs) because as a child it's like oh he's impressionable he's young he's whatever but as a 30 year old Yeah, as a 30 year old, it's like, oh, this is a guy who's failed and hit rock bottom and has no possible potential because he's 30 and still jacking cars pretending to be an FBI agent. Like, so yeah, like he just seems like, like he really seems like he was purely motivated by greed and. He talks well, about like, he talks about Plemons's character being like a father figure. And I'm like,
1: you are fucking the same age. Are you kidding me? Wait, we should get into spoilers to talk about how confusing his arc is. Because this movie is somewhat separated by a major event. Although I wouldn't say it's, it's anything engaging how it's separated. But I, I'm refer- referring to a jail uh yes so i i I feel like we should we should get into spoilers because i feel like we (laughs) we're very much on the same page with all this stuff but i i think there's very specific events we can point to that kind of uh sorry uh play out that incoherency
0: (laughs) here's another okay but to like to like so just even even as we let's let's use this as a segue to like get into the spoilers and everything but like you're talking about how like um you know the 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 revolutionary politics of the black panther party are watered down and or just plain incoherent in this movie like and and maybe they were afraid of like making the 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 messiah figure in this movie related to you know a controversial group but like that's your job like that is your job as a writer yeah, and your right? job as a director should be you can fully 100% You know, show the good, the bad and the ugly about someone and still be able to have me on their side because and I think that the writing bluntly but ineffectively does this because, you know, Fred Hampton's constantly like talking about how he wants to help the people. You know, he makes the Rainbow Coalition, which is woefully underexplained in this movie. Yes, which sucks because most of the people who see this movie, that's going to be the first and the last time they ever hear about the Rainbow Coalition in their entire yeah. lives. And, and it's amazing; <laughs> it's an amazing yeah, it's, thing. It's nuts, and like, but so like, you can talk about how like uh, and the problem with this is that like, yeah, the movie gives me nothing, so I can't even say like what the bad parts are because like, sure, there's the violent <laughs> rhetoric and stuff, but then they have Fred kind of backpedal on that by being like, you know, oh, I didn't mean it that way. And it's like the the things you were saying really, really only had one kind of meaning to them. But like, you should be able to show me that, but then show me the good, like the the medical clinics and the breakfast program and have me as an outsider say, there's a lot here. You know, people are complicated, like, you know, maybe with like, you know, the benefit of not being just 21, like maybe nine years down the road his feelings and you know ideals may have like you know altered and changed into something that was purely positive without the violent undertinge you know like all that stuff but instead i just get this morass this melange of stuff that's happening all the time while Keith stanfield stands around looking like the most suspicious person that has ever existed <laughs>
3: literally so suspicious
2: like Oh
0: my gosh. And so that's the issue is that in 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 trying in watering down those things and in not fully committing to or understanding the mechanics of their genre, they really like hampered themselves from doing anything. Like e- even if they'd been a movie that had just purely worn the aesthetics of the Black Panther movement to tell like a really well-designed, tight, tense genre film mm-hmm. that was purely based around like, you know, Bill O'Neill, like, really ended up liking Fred Hampton. Fred Hampton really ended up liking Bill O'Neill. But, like, it, sure. you know that that at least would be a human peg, if not an ideological one. But this movie has neither.
2: <laughs> it's like it's it's just trying some, and I keep referencing this interview, especially the one by Robert Daniels with the Lucas brothers, because it's just it highlights so much of this rhetoric in their own screenwriting and thinking of the film. There's just there's they're trying to take from so many things in order to make something that's sellable like explicitly sellable and it's just so it's just a mishmash of things or it's not even i wouldn't even say it's a mishmash because it does have a a certain veneer but it is just a combination of different elements when you kind of look at it from afar you're like wait a minute <laughs>
1: I, I just want to say to uh, to speak to a specific scene where Lakeith is the least convincing person in the world. The whole scene where he finds out that the person uh, that they killed, an informant, I, I believe is what... And, and I will say, like, I was watching this movie with full attention, and I still found the informant confusing. <laughs> the other informant that the department has. Um and, like, he's like, I would have shot him and I would have knifed him and killed him. It was like an SNL bit or, or like a, a Key and Peel uh, thing where he was trying to, like, one up everyone around him. Oh, yeah. That like, was it's, the. It's, it,
3: it, was, it's, it
2: was like someone just like. I mean, I I'm sure I'm not alone in this, but I've been playing a lot of Among Us during the past several months, mm-hmm. and that kind of over exuberance about the truth is a classic tell that you're lying.
0: I'm sorry, you and think also, you like... think I'm the person? You think no? no I'm not were. the intruder. Like if I were, like, <laughs> how you sh- dare you? You show me the intruder, and I you also know.
3: like there's
2: a there's a part when um, the one of the two women not deborah but i can't remember her name but when they're in the car and they've kind of yeah they have their suspicions and once he's kind of like sort of passed the test and they're cool with him again he just like turns 45 degrees and like smirks out the window i'm like oh my god that, it's so Is that how you're playing it
3: because you're gonna like
0: <laughs> it's so bad it's such a it really is like exactly like i just, it's it's hard to eat it is it's like a parody it's like or, or just like the worst version of it you know it's um it is that kind of thing like you know where anyone who is the thing will be the person who hates that thing the most. Mm-hmm. So like it I you know it, it it's a terrible you know thing to joke about but I always said like the second that I see a guy on Twitter talking about what a feminist he is I'm just like waiting for the receipts to come out that show that, that he's the bigger dirtbag yeah. than the guy that he was yelling at. Mm-hmm. Like because it is it, it is that like
1: thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's just like <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. People like that suck. They should be, uh, they should be hunged and quartered and destroyed. Yeah, yeah. Who would ever do that? <laughs> and then forty five degree head tilt and a smirk. It's just like
2: you—you like, you could have just sat there and ate your food.
0: Like <laughs> I know it's ridiculous. And then his name was Joss Whedon. <laughs> he truly is the worst like, of the male feminists.
1: Um. Well, I, wait, I have a question. Do you? Do you guys have? So. I, I feel like the weird thing, even if we focus only on Bill and and not just him being convincing snitch or not, did, did you guys feel that at a certain point he was starting to believe? No, one hundred percent
0: No, but that's that's the bigger problem. That's, the, I mean, <clears throat> at the end but of the while movie,
1: he's in jail. Why would he do? Like it just seems like his commitment wouldn't quite be necessary <laughs> to the extent I, I i don't know the the whole thing about the uh, about um i'm sorry fred going to jail for a bullshit charge is like there's no there's no distinct difference between those two sections and what we're supposed to understand bill as in that mm-hmm. moment other than the fact that uh, by the way They go to the same restaurant every time. And you're telling me no one uh, sees Bill? Like, none, no one ever affiliated with the Black Panthers went to this nice restaurant.
0: I mean, that nice restaurant really seemed to be a corpulent white men smoking cigars kind of restaurant.
1: But I can't imagine, given how plugged in they were to the community, that someone wouldn't have tipped off. Like...
0: I, you know i, I
3: have I, no idea i, just, uh, I
2: honestly but I would... it's no but i no. especially back then it's like we saw a panther sitting with a white guy if, like even like the year 2021 if someone saw me sitting with a white guy they'd text me like what are you doing like, <laughs> <laughs> not like i'm doing anything wrong they're like what are you doing like just checking out what are you doing are you okay are you <laughs> like, all right <laughs> so like in the, in the like 60 68 69 no less like yeah you're telling come on I was just
0: constantly surprised that none of the other patrons or waiters were like, excuse me, sir, would you prefer to sit, like, in the back? Like, what are you doing here?
2: Would you like to sit in the cop section?
0: (laughs) He's also rude to them. He, like, Mm. big ups them every time. (laughs) I um, (laughs) am. To to that point, I mean, that's that's kind of what I was talking about. Like, that third act where the person, at least on a personal and emotional level, cares for the person that they are most close to, that they are informing on, just never really happens in this. Like, you Mm -hmm. should get a better idea if he actually thinks that this is like it's so it's so self-evident that if you were making the, the undercover movie that there is a point during the second act where he is in and he starts to get his mind changed. Even if that's mm-hmm. not how it happened in reality, that's how you gotta play it for the movie to be functional. And if it mm-hmm. didn't happen that way in reality then you gotta have him constantly be against it in private, but you never get an insight yeah. into who Bill mm-hmm. is outside of his poorly acted performance for the Panthers.
3: Mm-hmm. Like, yeah.
2: It, in terms of like his need to like, like there's that scene where he's talking about Roy Mitchell is his idol and, you know, doing work for the FBI, you know, like the real Bill O'Neill, he wanted to be a cop, right? So it's yeah. like, this isn't too far out of the wheelhouse for him. Um, but I do recognize that character of like wanting to belong somewhere and wanting to be seen as valuable, but I don't see it realized in this film, you know, no. it's only in glimpses and especially, I think that would have been like the most fruitful part of the film is that kind of, um, is it ambivalence or ambiguous, ambiguity, which ones both at the same time? <laughs>
0: <And> ambivalence <laughs> is if like, you can't really decide between two things and ambiguity kay. is if it's not super clear
2: ambiguity that kind of like moral ambiguity he's having would have been like just and and that that also comes back to the whole age thing you're watching like an almost 30 year old guy be like, ah, like <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like this is people lives, bill <laughs> like keep like, get it together but um you know i i certainly recognize that just in terms of bill o'neill as like a, a real living person but it's totally just underutilized in the film especially a film that is using him as um, a stepping stone into that history. As kind of, if not a main character, then at least like a, a framing character.
0: I mean, <clears throat> that's so... Going movie, for... I just wanted to say like, you know, in addition to what we're all saying, like the movie ends with like five minutes of like end titles and documentary footage. And I feel like that's when you know that you've just sat through something that was not well constructed. Like, that's there's just... <laughs> The, the amount of content and then the, the worst part is that literally everything that i read was more interesting than the movie that preceded it
2: exactly yeah. it, like i've been like and just in preparing to talk to you guys even the stuff that i read and watch i'm like this is miles better like i rewatched um the murder of fred hampton which is a 1971 um documentary by the um the film group it's to white guys. Which kind it's on
1: uh, Vimeo, actually, if, if, yeah, yeah. Uh, if folks want to watch I it. Think,
2: yeah, you can watch it for free or think on the Chicago Film Archives. But that is, oh, like, okay. anyone listening to this who not even anyone who was black because there are a lot of black liberals on timeline who are like, I love this movie. I'm like, okay, Oprah, but anyone who is interested in like the radical truth of the matter and the history, like watch the murder of Fred Hampton because it's essentially the better movie and it's real life. Like, yeah. It's like an hour and 29 minutes and it's just better. Like I don't, I think there's a certain arrogance that was coming through and I'm not going to stop referencing these interviews because they have really, (laughs) truly colored even more my vision of this film. Um, There's a real arrogance in being like, there hasn't yet been a film about Fred Hampton. It's like, well, there has been documentaries, there has been communal and community histories, there's been oral histories. And it's like, why do you have to nominate yourself to make it in this certain vein, which is, in your eye, the most authentic or at least the most elevated when in like reality, as all three of us have been talking about, it certainly is not any of those three things.
0: No. And I think that the, the impulse is like when you make a movie, it's probably going to reach more people than a documentary, you know, like yeah, it's, and that's a fine, that's a fine idea. But in that case, this is reductive, but make a good movie. Exactly. You know? <laughs> like maybe really take that mantle and uh, respect it and make a good movie. Like it's again, it's just like when I, I hate that I keep going back to all these movies, but like when I saw The Departed or when I saw Donnie Brasco, those are really good movies that are both based in part to some extent on true stories. So like Donnie Brasco, I started looking into the actual agent who did all that stuff and like the the, the history of the mob. The Departed, I found out that, uh you know, uh, uh, what's his name? what's the William something the scary guy's name I know that like so that oh, the, the main know. the main gangster who was played by <laughs> Jack Nicholson Jack Nicholson, that Nicholson. yeah that's the okay. guy whose name I couldn't remember um oof, that's bad um he he was like based in part on Whitey Bulger oh who's Whitey Bulger oh, so I started yeah. looking okay. into Whitey Bulger and then Black Mass comes out and that movie is like this movie because they're both not good and they both don't do a good job explaining anything
2: it's and um, just, like, they're both incredibly just, miscast.
0: And they both have just disciplined. so
2: surface. It's just so hollow. <laughs> like, I don't get the point. Even, like, I feel like when you critique films using, like, the, like, structural framework of, like, the industry or, like, Hollywood filmmaking or mainstream normative filmmaking, people kind of come at you as if you're some sort of, like, snob who's only, like into like experimental film, which yes I am. But I, I fucking like I watch saw I watch every single saw movie every like pretty much every day. Like I'm not a snob at all. I love all different kinds of movies. But my thing is if you're gonna make a movie in the vein and in the format in which you're gonna make it, make it right, you know? I just don't like when people mess up and then they think they're right. I'm Scorpio, Virgo rising, okay? <laughs>
0: I think that's the first time we've ever had someone just shout their astrological sign.
2: Virgo moon, sorry, I'm so I'm
3: so riled up.
2: I
0: don't <laughs> even know if I'm a Gemini or a Taurus. Um,
1: I, I'm a Pisces and very much a Pisces. I
0: am, I am May 21st, which is a cusp sometimes, or sometimes it's one or sometimes it's the other. So I've sort of given up, but all of my life I've identified as a Gemini but I don't know my other, the risings and the houses.
2: Neither of you will know the depths to which hatred can consume you.
1: Because neither of you. I mean, you're talking to two right people, honestly. (laughs) I was about to say my half of my
0: family is from Italy, so I'm pretty Ah, good with the vendetta. (laughs) And then the other part of me is Irish, you know? So like we, you know, I, not to brag, but we've blown up a lot of British people over some centuries old grievances.
1: I, I, instead of uh, Black Mass, I do want to uh, mention, because I was thinking about this earlier, I feel like this movie not even split the difference because that suggests some <laughs> half and half shit. I, I, it's between something like American Gangster and Malcolm X. And so it wants to have the speechifying of, you know, like Spike Lee's film. It wants to, you know, it really does want to show you the the power of this person. And I would say it achieves that in maybe one or two scenes and even then they're very cliche and then you have something like american gangster where he the other side of that coin per se is is him being able to use that same magnetism to get things done which Mm -hmm. like i know we already talked about denzel denzel tells you to do anything you're gonna do it it. doesn't have a gun (laughs) denzel could walk up
0: to me after (laughs) i just bought my groceries and say hey Give me those groceries. I'd be like, yeah, that. you could probably do more with these than I could. Go for I it. See
2: that. I see that bottom bottom lip jutting out. I'm doing whatever he says. <laughs> when the chin starts to dimple, I'm doing it. I'll do what you say, Denzel. John Q, take my heart.
0: We did an episode on John Q. We did an episode on John Q.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was an interesting I episode. I, know, um, like, I, I think there is something. Um, yeah, there's something. I, I, I think... Yeah, I, I guess maybe maybe a, a better question to pose to you, Serta, is like, do you think there was any way in a Hollywood mode to tell this story? I'm not asking you to make a, a new movie or something, but I think it's important that you bring up a Hollywood mode when you're talking about someone mm-hmm. who's considered radical by the culture.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I even still, even though this is like, I mean, this is maybe just showing how left my politics are. I do see Malcolm X in that vein. I think that's a really good example of that, even though technically it's probably just like on the cusp or, sure. you know, um, I don't know. It's hard for me to say because even like when I'm reviewing them for work, like something like one night in Miami, it's like objectively mm-hmm. I can see in terms of craft and form. It's fine. Just subjectively. It's it's just never going to be my thing. And I think, I, I think it, they can be done well in terms of those kind of check marks but just for me personally that's not really ever going to be in my bag unless it's like a comedy or something <laughs> like, you know it's I feel like that's the thing I'm I'm not really I'm not a historical drama person I'm not a drama person and I'm not like a prestige biologist person and it's fine if people are you know we all like what we like and I'm in no way judging people's preferences for things like that but in terms of like
1: oh I am
3: <laughs> <laughs> I <like them laughs> terrible.
2: I mean I am but I mean like I'm judging people who say they are good movies when they're not rather than not judging people who enjoy movies. You know what I
3: mean? Yeah. Yes. So yeah. that's
0: my thing is like I'm not <clears throat> I'm not ever going to write off any of those movies sight unseen, but I can say that like hit to miss ratio is off. It's not it's not good. Exactly. I just, yeah. It's it's weird for me cuz you know, this movie it seems to me that they could have gotten away with doing more with the ideals. In fact, in a movie like this, that's what you need. Like you need those, those ideals to permeate, to, to influence your main character in order to make his conflict happen. You know, mm-hmm. like in, in Donnie Brasco, um, you're
2: obsessed. You love
0: it. I, I Again, because my viewpoint for this was the filter of this is an undercover movie, you know? So like, there's gotta be, so like, you know, even in, even in, uh, useful. I mean,
1: I don't, I don't know. on
0: useful. Some level. <laughs> it's also clearly what they're going for, and exactly. you know. So in Donnie Brasco, you've got Donnie being like, "Oh, this is a human being, and he's doing crimes and stuff, but he's he's a broken down old man, and I feel bad for him." Also, you know, the family is a real thing. Like these guys beat up someone for me because I made up a lie about my dad dying in Okinawa. Like. And I sure. feel like shit about that, but I don't know where I've ever felt that kind of camaraderie before. In even in even in in uh, gangs in New York, when Leonardo DiCaprio is trying to kill Bill the Butcher, you know the guy who murdered his dad, he still feels a little bit of admiration for this guy because he's a reprehensible human being, but he's got a charisma to him, you know. Okay. And you need those conversations so that even if the person is never swayed they still get a view of the person as a person so it would make all the sense in the world for this movie to stop for a 10 minute scene where you know bill says to to fred like you don't know, like you know what like what do we do like you really want everyone to pool all their resources and then distribute equally like what about the people who work harder <laughs> okay. shouldn't they like get more because they're doing harder like they and then fred would like come back and say something there'd be an exchange of ideas and at the end Bill would be like, okay, all right, like, I don't agree, but like, at least I see you're coming from an earnest place. And in this, you want One Night in Miami a little bit.
3: (laughs) I do. I liked, I like,
0: I like the, the, uh, I don't even, I don't even remember what my review of One Night in Miami was. I feel like I liked it, but I I thought Malcolm X was.
1: We, we he, is, like he was a very
0: pretty man
1: <laughs> we didn't like malcolm that much brian if we that was that's, that's the funny door. thing is i
0: <laughs> by my one clear memory of one night in miami sitting here many weeks removed from watching it is like i love sam cook and also malcolm x in that movie came off as kind of a drip
2: Like <laughs> i'm like i don't know like i don't want to devolve here but like i don't know like as a literal dyke how you can cast like one of the most handsome <laughs> attractive desirable men in all of history yeah. as such a little swarmy guy no offense to Benedict or kingsley i don't <laughs> think he's like that in real life he's pretty cute in i may destroy you but something about this movie, he's just like swarming around with his camera i'm like this is not malcolm x. like you can't i feel like his malcolm x has the opposite problem of lucky like, stanfield well bill o'neill i'm like why do you have this child playing malcolm x in, one <laughs> <night> in miami <laughs> like how like even just like i see a photo of malcolm x i'm like endearment respect i see like benadir kingsley am i saying his name right i always confuse his name is it
0: benadir kingsley or ben kingsley a deer
1: i am looking it up right now hold on Thank no, you.
2: It's... even when i was writing my view i was like kingsley,
1: kingsley ben Adair, Kingsley
2: is... deer yeah, so sorry, we fucked that up every beer.
1: way you could. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's my fault. I spearheaded the movement on that one. Um, but... <clears throat> the
0: other thing that I was thinking of, it, just in terms of this, so like there's a movie called The Wind That Shakes the Barley to bring up the Irish again. Um, Ken Loach. Hmm?
1: The Ken Loach.
0: Yeah, the Ken Loach. Um, yeah. and, and I love that movie. And I didn't love it as much as I, I did. I, I love it now more than when I first saw it because when I first saw it, I was like, why after they've driven the british out are we treated to another 40 minutes of the infighting and it didn't really occur to me as an idiot college student that like it's important to see the way that a a, a literal revolutionary group will suddenly have to tear itself apart once it has to be in power once once you've removed mm-hmm. the vac the, the once you've created a vacuum by removing the violent oppressive group that is controlling their country suddenly you have to make compromises so like there is an entire scene in that movie where they have a civilian court and they're holding a landlord responsible for like extorting a woman who can't pay her rent and you know everything and then they they make a judgment that the landlord owes the woman money um and then you know, the the people who, the the, the IRA basically walks out and, and, you know, strikes a new deal with the landlord because they need his money to, like, buy guns and stuff to, like, keep up the work. and And they make a point of, like, we have a court system in place. Like, this is what we fought for. Why are you undermining it immediately? And then later on, one of the brothers becomes... Like incredibly socialistic because it's like, look, we drove out the British. Now is the time to completely reform the entire country and, uh, you know, steal money from even the land owning Irish people and give it back to the people. And when I was a kid, I was like, I just wanted to see the British get owned. Why is this happening? Why is this still going on? And now it, it just is so much more fulfilling when I get to that point because I saw these people fight and die for each other. And now they are at each other's throats because they don't precisely know the way to go. And they've gone from we need to overthrow the the people who are keeping us in chains to, okay, the new people who are keeping us in chains are the capitalists at the top of the rung. And like, I don't 100% agree with that, but I could see their point after coming through all that. And it becomes a much more interesting movie to see how the battlefield turns from the hills and the dells to you know the taverns and the courts. And this movie just doesn't have that. Like, there's just just there's nothing like that. It's it's so it's, weird because you can make missing, that compelling.
2: like It's missing such a human element. Like, I don't feel like I'm watching like fully fleshed out humans at all. Even like my favorite parts of the film, relatively speaking, were the moments between Hampton and Dev. Fred and ha- Fred, oh, the moments between Fred and Deborah. But even those were like I was really grasping at straws and wanting to love those because <laughs> it's just so underdeveloped and i think that especially given the fact that bill and fred's relationship or even dynamic is not um drawn out in any sort of complex way like that could have been a good apex for at least us to have a different vantage point of fred but it just doesn't really come and i feel like they're i feel like they're standing with the kind of jumbo shrimp of trying to Honor a certain legacy while undertaking this supposed honor in ways that would never have been approved. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I just and and then alongside that, it feels like they're trying to rehearse all these concepts. Like, um, you know, they've talked a lot, and we have talked a lot about this movie being influenced by like The Departed or The Conformist, and sure. they're they're leaning into uh, a crime thriller and generic elements like that, and even like. I don't know. When I when I watch this movie as someone for like as a black person has like an average knowledge of Fred Hampton, like I was like, what are people going to learn from this? Because it's not anything that is learned. You know what I mean? Like I I know more than this movie learn that's the movie taught me. And I don't think that films, especially like historical dramas, should be didactic like that but at least when they're in this format it's like you kind of have to do that if you're if you're choosing to work in this vein if you're choosing to be so loud about your struggles to make this huge picture it's like girl you (laughs) could have just made an indie you know that right
1: or a wiki page
2: (laughs) right i'm like it's like like, freaking princess in the p like i am not like come on it's i don't know i'm just so I'm just so tired of seeing people with so much capital and resources and power just, just totally bung around with millions and millions of dollars while there's like people literally dying. Like, it just, especially right now, it's like I feel like this movie, I feel like Antebellum, which I don't know if you guys saw this, if you watched it in the screener version, but I skipped it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so enough, Antebellum. Uh, the co-directors did like a little pre-message for the screener because it was one of the first ones to come out during the pandemic. Instead of Oh, one of I've heard about
1: this,
2: <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, "We think in this time of like racial uprising, this is something that will bring it." It's like, "No, you're not <laughs> doing that at all. You're doing the opposite." All of us are so tired. Like, just give us a freaking rom com with the just Adj- address Adj- Alba and like Nicole Bahari. Like, give us what we want. We don't want
3: this. <laughs> like,
2: it's like this weird self-appointed like we have just figured out politics and now we are going to show you what those are. Like even, I don't know, even I just, I, I want to get the benefit of it out for black filmmakers, for black writers. I always do. But this class thing is such such a huge determinant in just making shit movies. It just is. And <laughs> it, it just is. And, yeah. you know, and even like I, with a, throughout the film, it feels like they're rehearsing like, It's not formally like a montage, but narratively, it kind of feels like they're rehearsing a montage of, like, the best of Fred's speeches. (laughs) Like, you know, and I was reading the interview with the director, Shaka King, and he was like, we stumbled upon this quote about Fred Hampton talking about the difference between rebellions and riots. It's like, that's a famous quote! If you just stumbled upon this in your research for this film, sort of about Fred Hampton, like, why why are you the ones with the reins in your hands? Like, It's just, I just, it drives me nuts. And the thing with um, the Lucas twins kind of work together with um, Will Benson, who was kind of working on a more traditional biopic about Fred Hampton Jr. That was uh, Fred Hampton, sorry, that was slated to be directed by F. Gary Gray. And part of me is like, I'm really interested in what that would be, you know, especially in relation to this movie that is, it's trying so hard to do a lot of things, but they, it's, it's, it's writing and its direction is its own worst enemies
1: especially coming like i, I mean f gary gray I, I feel like he's been all over the place but like if he could get to the peak of like set it off or something exactly. like that could be fascinating
2: even like um or compton not a movie i enjoy in the least sure. but i'm like i see why people like it. it it hits the marks and it's i just think that if you're gonna work in a mode that is Based on the exploitation of people under this mandate of having an artistic vision, you should do what you're supposed to be doing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like just keep up the farce, or an uprising is coming, and I hope it does.
1: (laughs) I I think there's something uh, something really interesting. Uh, You know, we've talked a lot about the script. It's clear we have many problems with it, but I think even visually, it, it feeds into that idea that you're bringing up, Sertai, about the fact that this movie doesn't seem to care about individuals in, in the sense that like the most striking frames of this movie to me are when Shaka King and Sean Bobbitt focus on groups. Like I, I the sequence isn't, you know, anything revelatory, but when they go to meet the crowns, there's, a, there's these great wide shots of mm-hmm. just realizing how large, well, claustrophobic this large room is just because it's, filled with the crowns and Black Panthers. And I I feel like there is such an emphasis, not, not on any actual concrete details of community, but visually this movie, at least to me, feels like, it's not. It's not interested in those individual people. It, it's not a character study. It's, it's not... truly
2: uninterested. Sorry, continue. <laughs>
1: no, no, no. no. I, that's that was the end of my thought.
2: It's truly uninterested, and I think what they're not getting, like so many of the choices that have been made in this film, is that that choice to um, to group black people in that way, without their individualism, without their relationships, without their personalities, without their humanness, is so inherently anti-black. You know, and it's like, once again, it's like, why would you release this after Small Acts, which did, you know, a pretty decent job of, of of, parsing out the several figures in this? Whereas uh, here, we've gone with this very, um, very conventional, very normative, we have one legend and then we have kind of faceless groups behind them. You know, it's like, I think, what do, who, we, who do we see really besides Bill and Fred? We see Ashton Sanders a little bit. We see, Dominique Fishbeck, a little bit, but other than that, it's like totally faceless. And I think at this point, we shouldn't be making movies for white audiences, which is very clearly what they've done and what they've explicitly stated in these interviews is what was their trouble so they've formed this for white audiences which again is inherently anti-black i don't understand why you would need to make a movie about the black panthers that was meant to be accessible to white people like that can't be our job that can't be our freedom our freedom can't be in there um i've worked myself up i can no longer remember where i was going
0: well, so that. the thing is you you keep saying that's accessible for for white people and i think that the way that you you do that if that's what you want to do is you you, you just make it you a make genre the film? thriller yeah just again <laughs> the easiest god you don't understand people will go see anything if you have a moment in the trailer where someone looks at another person and says you're in too deep you don't know which way's up anymore. you know because then you're just like oh shit i know what kind of movie that is i don't give a shit if it's about the black panthers because mm-hmm. there's going to be a guy and he's going to go into a place and suddenly he's not going to know whose real friends are you know like that's what i want that's what i need that's all anyone needs and i think that when it's It is one of those things where it becomes self-defeating to think about the creation of your art, especially if your art is meant to be popular entertainment in terms of how do we pitch this towards X group? Because then you're already starting from a place where you don't care about making it good and effective. Exactly. The only way I could think to put it like when they were making crawl, Right. I don't assume that anyone was like, how do we how do we make sure that this is really like appealing to the like, you know, the groups that we want to they just wanted to make a fucking cool alligator action movie. And it's movies like that that I feel the most solidarity with the people in the theater. And suddenly it is that kind of like utopian ideal, because when you're all laughing together or you're all screaming together or you're all going, oh, my God, oh, my God, fuck, that looks terrible together. You've you have done the thing that all these people with these shitty, you know, I won't say shitty, but terribly expressed lofty ideals are going for. Like, this is the movie that will bind us together, the movie that's going to heal America. And it's like, we don't want that. We want (laughs) to watch someone get hit in the face with a banana cream pie. Like, that's where we find (laughs) our unity in that moment of spontaneous expression of laughter. And then you look around and you're like, none of these people look like me. But we are all feeling the same thing, and isn't that what it's all about? You know,
2: and I love, I love that communal aspect of like popular entertainment that does not hurt anybody. That is Chef's Kiss. That's the movie, baby, and I love it. (laughs) Fucking love it. Spike Lee, you did it again. To quote Bella Hadid, talking about Malcolm. (laughs)
3: Wow! Did you guys
2: see this? It's my favorite thing. No, did you see this? She posted an Instagram story with a still for Malcolm and Marie, and she said, Spike Lee, you did it again. <laughs> I
0: am mortified I for her. I can't,
2: I can't stop saying, Spike Lee, you did it again. Like, I like, I cook a meal. I'm like, Spike Lee, you did it again. I I'm going to like,
0: it. I'm going to get like some Chick-fil-A tomorrow and take a bite and say, Spike Lee, you did <laughs> it
2: again. It's like. Exactly. It's, it's so fun. Just in these like trying times spike every good again, thing, is the fun thing. <laughs> i'm just gonna
0: say is because of spike lee
3: um but
2: yeah and i feel like to use your example of crawl like you know unless you're like a fucking alligator watching this like there's nothing <laughs> harmful in this movie but when you step into the realm of cinema and the realm of black people depicted on film in popular cinema and in popular culture you have a fucking debt to work off when you are in a class position to have made a film like that, like a moral community debt to, to, to work off and resources to share. And in this movie, it's just so, it just, it feels so flippant the way they take this lived history and just are like, we're going to mishmash it around in a way that isn't even good. You know what I mean? And, (laughs) and, and the, the ease with which the writers and the director have said in, in, in myriad ways, like, you know, if you if you don't know anything about Fred Hampton, you can at least watch this because you like The Departed. It's like okay, but you're making a movie about Fred Hampton, <laughs> like,
0: right? And that's the thing it's is like,
2: do you not see how inherently anti black that is? Like you're you what you're saying is that you're using Fred Hampton as a like swing lever to get you into popular filmmaking, which you could do without using the legacy of Fred Hampton and the legacy of Black radical politics. But
0: I mean, even then, if if you if you want to play it that way, make Fred Hampton a character. Like, yeah, exactly. And, and that I, to and me I... is where it all kind of goes to shit. Because like I've brought up The Departed, I've brought up Donnie Brasco. Like clearly, have I'm, you? Yeah, a couple times. Um, <laughs> you know, e, e, I'm I'm here for doing that. But you, the the reason that you do that, the reason that you you follow it through that way is to, again, as I said, make the space to make the person a person Mm -hmm. and i don't think that they pull that off like you could Mm -hmm. you i think that if if you were the right type of of person you could make this movie and i could leave it and i would have an idea that again as i said is a jumping off point to go and find out about fred hampton and not feel like the movie betrayed him Mm -hmm. You know, but like just the Mm -hmm. the six independent facts that I found out after the movie, I was like, I don't feel that that movie did a very good job.
2: And I think even if we're not even looking at the specific history of Fred Hampton, the Black Panther Party, even just like the issue of anti-black racism and state violence, it's like there's so much ambiguity there. I'm like, you guys are black. People making this movie, there should—you should not have to have like a a character like Jesse Plemons who's like, "Oh, maybe this is bad." Like that's not (laughs) how it works. That's like the fucking help. You are you trying to make the help? Because guess what? If you're black and you're making movies for black people, which you've said numerous times that you're not, like, you don't need to have a quote-unquote nice white guy in it. Like, we don't care. We know the truth. <laughs> we haven't <laughs>
0: even gotten into Jesse Plemons's character uh-huh. and the heel turn that he takes and how weirdly unmotivated it is.
1: It's just... At the restaurant, I assume is what you're talking like, about.
0: Like, so he goes and has the world's most awkward sit-down with Hoover.
2: <laughs> and then... And oh then, you mean we're gonna kill him wait a minute <laughs> this, is, this is this is a killing black people team did i start up for him? no
3: but no that's I the didn't. thing is like
0: you could 100 make that a character moment where he you know but like there's i just didn't feel that because like he starts off and he's like i investigated these murders down south like i believe in the the, the movement and blah blah and like yeah you could have a guy who's like a moderate Progressive like that, who then suddenly realizes that uh, the FBI is not good <laughs> and yeah. is not treating this particular group of people well, and then decides to buy in because that's where his safety comes from. But, like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I didn't feel that. Like, when he in the restaurant suddenly takes a hard line,
2: I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, where did no this come from? Nowhere. There's like, so, like, for me, there's a difference <clears throat> between showing like a moral ambivalence in a character versus moral ambivalence in like the film's own politics. And with his character, it's within the film's own politics. 100%. You know? Yeah. There's absolutely, I feel like this is like the classic, um, everyone We are really into like Leo de Cap today talking but like Wolf of Wall Street, like <laughs> showing misogyny versus actually is misogynist. Like sure. I'm not going to put my hat in that ring of the fight, but it's like that aspect. And I'm like watching this movie and I'm like, In the year 2021, you guys really thought you needed to put this character in here, totally unfettered, totally uncritical. And even like, I think it was to go back again to the Lucas Brothers they were like, it's important for us to have Roy Mitchell in the film because at least he's a more balanced evil person. Like that, that, that can't, that can't be, that can't be. But I I think think that
0: that's, that's the pro, I mean, I need to read this interview that you read now. Um,
2: (laughs) I started reading it and I was like, oh, I'm going to have like stress dreams about tonight.
0: (laughs) I think that it's, it's, it's like to, to say like a balanced evil person. I think it's more interesting to, to kind of do it like if he if he is a good person who is then like bent towards evil you know like i, I don't even know i don't i don't know the right way to put it i think that there it, is a I way think... to play it where he is a person of ideals who's never had to see the ugly underbelly of his organization and then makes a choice whether it be for personal comfort or personal progression that goes against his morality but still tries to keep up the sense that he's a good person and like but that's the failure like that that's his failure right is that he did that but this movie is just like yeah i don't know at some point he just becomes a dick to bill
2: (laughs) yeah yeah and it's like i mean like what we're essentially talking about is writing a character like there's you can write a bad character bad people as characters that's part of the movies but you can't co-sign or essentially be the off, be your own bad character, authoring the bad character. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm like, it's like Spider-Man Double Finger right now. Um,
3: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I think they,
2: they do a lot of the same thing with the Keith's character. What we were talking about earlier about his own ambivalence. It's like just, just give us more than a nudge, because a nudge isn't landing anywhere solid, you know. And you got to be solid. You got to be solid when you're dealing with the Black Panther Party. Well, that's
0: the thing. Like you, you literally have Bill at any point be like, "I, I, appre- I appreciate what they're doing, but I do believe that they're a threat." You know, like, give yeah. him that, like, or just say, "Like, I'm fully on their side now, but you've got me by the balls, so I got to do this because I just want to get out." There's a like exactly. when, when Jesse played with his hands in the keys to a goddamn gas station. I was like, "Is that what he wanted? <laughs> Is that like right? was, I, was I missing that? Like, if there if you had even given Bill a point where he just says." All I want in this earth is to just have a gas station, you know, and make an honest buck and never have to think about politics again. And this is his way to do it. This is a way to a comfortable life where everything is fine and he doesn't have to worry about this bullshit anymore. Then like at least then you've made him a, a, a villain through his desire to engage in the system of capitalism. Mm-hmm. In this movie, instead, it's like he is a villain because I don't know. No one else is really talking to him.
2: Exactly. It's just. It's just like a. It's like a shallow iconography mosaic of characters and people and ideas. It's like. It's like pop-up video, but without the text and <laughs> the pop-up. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, sadly. Like I'm like. It just, I love that. Just it's just I it just, it just,
3: just drives me nuts yeah
0: and like and like I said that's that's the the problems with Plemons is the problem with Stanfield is the problem with Kaluuya it's it's the problem with everyone they're just they're not
2: particularly
0: sharply well-observed characters
2: like we actually don't even have the classic problem in film of the white person being the only fleshed out person which is (laughs) here's nobody
0: and in a way isn't that progress That's how you know this was truly an egalitarian production because everyone was treated with the exact same level of I don't give a shit.
1: I I will say, too, like, I I I was really even grasping, you know, like, I, I, I mean, it's funny because when I first saw this trailer, you know, six months ago, I was like, this movie fails if it doesn't piss someone off. <laughs> like, if, if no one's mad about this movie in some direction, this movie has failed. Well, and that's, that's what is, I
3: was
0: saying. I was like, I'm not a socialist. I'm, I'm pretty okay with capitalism. And I'd love for this movie <laughs> to piss me off through its one-sided depiction of the goods of socialism. And it didn't do that. I shouldn't be bored. I should... <laughs> Like, that's always the thing that annoys me the most is when I walk into a movie and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to agree with the politics here. And then I walk out and I'm like, wow, that was strangely inert. And it's like, why is that my first thought?
2: <laughs> but that, Yeah, like- it, it fails in such a strange I mean, it's not strange at all. This is like you know, this is it. this is this is the movies, kids. Like <laughs> I don't like I was reading like uh, the Wikipedia for earlier and seeing like the rave reviews, and I was like, white, white, white. Like it's a classic case. Like only white people are like this is amazing. I mean, I'm sure there's like tons of black liberals who don't have the platform that these white people do, but nonetheless, it's like I don't. And the thing that that really that really grinds my gears, <laughs> is, um. The way that Fred Hampton Jr. and his mother have been enmeshed into, whether it's been purposefully or inadvertently or anything, just the fact that it is happening, have been kind of enmeshed into the campaign for this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's I mean, so... And just weird to, to wave them around as consultants, which I know they didn't seek them out intentionally. I read somewhere that Ryan Coogler ran into Fred Hampton Jr. at a flea market in Oakland. Oh, you know, funny. so... I'm like, "Cool. Okay, cool." Um the type but, of thing
0: that can only happen at a flea market in Oakland. <laughs>
2: exactly. But there's like I don't know, it's like when he's trying to save the Hampton House for like 350 that thousand and he can't fundraise that meanwhile he's being championed as someone who, you know, he's said like despite some creative differences we do endorse the film. Like that's just it just rubs me the wrong way and it also I think leads even further into this direction of this, all legacy is good legacy, and anyone associated with the legacy can't be wrong. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just, I just hate that they've been. You know, I mean, I think clearly there is some part of them that wants to do it because they are, and I don't think that they're people who would do something that they really don't want to do. But right. it, it just, I just hate it. I just hate it because it, it gives it like gives the film this this veneer of political authenticity when it's kind of machinations and it's internal dynamisms and just like it's narrative is anything but that.
0: I just love that you bring up like, you know, on Wikipedia, all the rave reviews are from white people and I get to be like, I don't know, I'm a conservative white person and I didn't like this movie, not for the reasons (laughs) that you might think, you know, there's a whole other slew of reasons why I didn't like it. And that's the, that's the craziest part. Again, like I walk into a movie like this, and I, I, the reason that I love movies, despite being a conservative white person, you know, who like, you know, I just like, you know, I'll just like pay with a really broad brush. A lot of conservatives don't love Hollywood. I know that that's a hot take, but like the reason I love it is because I love seeing different ideas. Like I love stepping into other minds and I, I love that when I see a movie, I can have my mind changed or like I can utilize that as a way to at least empathize with someone that I don't agree with, you know, to understand where we're all coming from. And this movie just gives me nothing. It doesn't, it doesn't do any of that. I was never once like taken aback. I was never once like offended. I never once like put my finger to my chin and went, huh, that's a point that I never thought of. I was just sitting there like, man, the writing in this movie really, uh, could have used a, like a kick up. I don't, I don't know that the music's even being deployed that well. I'm still not sure what I'm I'm supposed to think of this bill guy
2: (laughs) like black people in the 60s. And this is the score. Are you kidding me? Like, and I think, you know, to go to your go back to your point of like your own identity, like as someone who is like a black queer dyke, like left, 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 like how much you have to fail in like your strange endeavor to make a movie for black people, but sell it to white people to have neither of us like it you know what <laughs> that's the, it's like the most I mean, damning
0: response
2: <laughs> and it's like i don't ever i don't I'm like no offense to you but like i don't believe in like unity between like the radical <laughs> and conservatives i don't and yet here we both are yelling about this film
0: we're more alike than we'd like to believe <laughs> i mean it's... you know
2: it's just i just i don't like at least like Something like The health and something like Green Book—it's so transparent, and it—it's function, it does its function, and that's right. its thing. And I'm not saying I'm like make more movies like that. Obviously, please don't make more white propaganda like that. But at least that's propaganda that does it right.
3: Right. That was like, my whole standards
2: are so low. My whole oh,
0: it's my turn to say it now. My whole quote-unquote defense of Green Book was like. <laughs> Yeah, it's super obvious. Yeah, it's probably mostly bullshit, but it's a functional buddy movie. And it may, in fact, make some shitty white people vaguely less shitty. Like, it's not and the that, worst and thing ever.
3: how low the standards <clears throat> are. Yeah,
0: the standards are that low. Especially for a movie that's, like, released to a wide audience. And this movie, I'm like, no, let's amp up the electricity. Let's offend some people, baby. And then I sat down... And I was like, I am not getting anything from this. This is not working at all on any level. And um, I was actually super glad to see the ambivalence in a lot of the other people, like in our Slack and Michael Snydel, who is on the podcast today, Um, just (laughs) to be like, just to be like oh, okay, great. It's not just me. And it's, I, I was, I was legitimately worried. Like, are my politics making me like, no, I should be furious. Right. If this movie no was doing something,
3: this that's the there issue.
0: Is to be mad about. <laughs> that's the problem. And that's, I was, that's the part that annoyed me the most, you know, cause I'd love to come on this podcast and like, use this movie as a chance to have like a spirited debate with someone whose politics don't align at all with me. And instead oh my we, just, we both just get to agree on how poorly this movie executed literally all, any thing of the I wouldn't
2: even have a spirited debate with you. Like we're just, we're, we just agree that you're going to die in the race war and that's my debate. That's <laughs> it. Like I don't, I know even longer, that is better. I no longer, <laughs> I no longer entertain white debate, but I totally understand what you're saying. And it's like, yeah, it's just, it's just failed in so many ways. And even like the there's like the first function of the film and the second function. And then like, the inadvertent cultural functions and then the kind of waves and ripples and tides and, you know, shockwaves from that and all of those levels. This movie is failing.
0: Yeah. And that's crazy. The fact that that me dying in a race war has only come up now towards the end of the podcast <laughs> in a movie about the Black Panthers.
2: Like, if this was a good movie, I would have opened this with like more threats.
1: right that would be perfect you're welcome back anytime
2: (laughs) i would be at your front door right now hey you want to (laughs) talk
1: this is not the first threat against the host life
0: yeah but i mean the last one was someone threatening to stab you on like a marvel movie wasn't it
2: With with oh yeah it was very specific don't 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 fuck around with marvel fans
0: that's not even an effective way to kill someone that person wanted you to suffer
2: And the thing, if I may comment on the phenomenon that is happening right now, the thing I hate most about this movie is that it is wasting my emotional energy as I expend my anger about it. You know what I mean? This movie didn't have to exist. I could have, I could be in the bath. I mean, in a dream world, I have a huge bath and not this half bath that I can't go into because the wall is falling apart because I'm poor. Um, but, you know, it's just, I feel like a lot of black people have the same feeling and it's like, you could have just not made the movie because now (laughs) you've worked me up. Now you've worked me up and now you got a reaction. Are you happy about the reaction? And it's like, after we're done reacting, we got to sit down. We're like, okay. It's like, it's, it's totally politically. Inert and just a waste of energy, and it just reminds me that like the point of white supremacy is to just tire us all out while we're all talking and debating about shit that isn't even good.
1: Okay, well, what's the purpose the of podcasts? <laughs> what would the equivalent of a cinematic bath be? Because now I now I'm feeling guilty. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mike, why did you make her watch this movie?
3: It wasn't
0: even like... on HBO Max. It was difficult for her to do.
3: We don't
2: mean mean to be on that. No, I don't. I don't mean that in a personal (laughs) way. Like, I feel... This is actually, like, as a film critic who reviews, like, wide, wide, wide release movies mostly because it's for, like the newspaper uh, never seen it never held it in my hands apparently my writing's in it i don't even know where to buy the newspaper but the thing about this is the movies i'm most excited to review and i did put my hat in the ring to review this film but someone had already grabbed it is that they're movies that i just know i'm gonna hate so it's like i am also my worst enemy but in terms of like political uh you know efficiency that is still the case but i'm you know i'm also a little bit to blame I, I would watch it. I would watch this movie because I need. Here's the thing, guys. I'm a hater. Okay.
1: <laughs> you're again on the right podcast. I
2: can't. It's like it's something. I feel like people who are a bit older than me, like especially like older women and femmes, like black women and femmes who are older than me, are always like conserve your energy. And I'm like, yeah, you're totally right. But it's like I'm so reactive sometimes. I can't help it. But yeah. <laughs> my point still stands the point of white supremacy is to tire us out by having us talking and debating moot points but i like this podcast yeah well that's good
0: (laughs) i'm always glad to find out that like i'm not 100 on the the white supremacy train and the things that i do so luckily the podcast is now (laughs) something i can put in that column
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> standards are
0: low. <laughs> <sighs> Again, standards are incredibly low all over the all over the world for stuff like this. I mean, it's 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 annoying. Like I said, it's annoying that you know I walk into this movie wanting to wanting to be challenged and hoping for it, honestly. And then I just like it's it's it sucks to walk in with that expectation as a yep. person who likes to you know challenge my own like standard world viewpoints, and then to instead just be like oh, this is like i could be watching the departed (laughs) like this is not a good movie
2: i i think for like like that's totally a fair viewpoint for yourself specifically but i think for also on top of that for black audiences there's so much more on the line when we go see a movie like this and it's like every time i leave i just like quote that like america's next top model line we're all rooting for you tiffany (laughs) you know it's just so tiring and it makes me want to never watch movies again, even though it's like, I don't, it's, there's something I feel like, especially if you work in film and you're kind of around people who don't have the kind of access that everyone should have, just, he's not in film, just in life, like just equity. you just start to realize how bungled things are at the top and you're just looking around and you're like, right there, there's some talent right there. There's some talent right there. There's some talent. Right there, there's some talent. Like the world is, there's a dearth of talented, intelligent people just waiting for resources. And what do we get instead?
0: Yeah. And I I mean, you know, I, I don't have a lot of experience with Lucas Twins or, or Shaka King. But I know that the I know the actors in this like and they have talent and it just sucks to see them take this and not be able to make it work, you know. Mm-hmm. Daniel Kaluuya is is fantastic. I've I've liked him ever since I saw him in that uh that the, the, was it the Black Mirror episode. Yeah, yeah the the five whatever.
2: Such he's such a beautiful it's thick the king.
1: American idol weird. Uh, I don't know. It's, like it's a, fifteen I, I don't million remember. merits. Yeah, the weird
0: post apocalyptic. <laughs> yeah. But he was great in that, and then I've loved him in almost everything else I've seen him in. He was the best part of Widows, and I loved Widows as a whole. he's
2: that like head tilt sometimes yes. i just like reference yeah. that in life and no one knows what i'm doing but i know what i'm doing
0: so i would know what you were doing <laughs> and i would clap i mean you know dominique fishback is spectacular in everything that i've seen her in i mean like her in show me a hero is like a heartbreaking energizing like you know career-making
1: performance her top. material is embarrassing in this given how interesting her intro is like mm-hmm. I, they really build up that intro and then it's like oh she's pregnant <laughs> she's,
3: <Exactly>.
2: she's just... <laughs> they've totally <laughs> forgotten that they were following that arc which was like i think one of the more interesting arcs and it's such yeah. i just hate that especially for a black women. it's like we're begging for scraps because everyone's like oh my god yes domini fishback and i'm like well, yes, obviously, yes, Dominic Fishback, but she's not given with it. She's not given anything here, no, and she I mean, deserves to be given something of substance.
0: The the one yeah. moment that I really liked with her character, because it was weird. It seemed like she was going to become like a big part of. This. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I was. I almost said Lady Macbeth, but that's not right. <laughs> she was gonna. <laughs> she weird, was gonna. Weird. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, who's a powerful woman who helps a man achieve things? <laughs> oh, Lady Macbeth, Nope. <laughs> she, <laughs> Like, you know, she's like like a speechwriter. I thought it was going to be like, oh, look, this is like when they talk about like, you know, how do we treat our sisters? Like, this is going to be an evocation of that. And the way that like these two people are going to help each other to, you know, rise up and become something more, pa- more powerful than they were separately. Like, I don't even know the best way to put it, but I really thought that she would be an integral part of his rise. And exactly. Maybe she was in reality, but in this movie she wasn't. And then... The, the one part that I did kind of like with her, though, you know, it's, it's kind of a hacky thing. And I don't know if it's based in reality or not. And if it is, I apologize for calling it hacky. But her whole poem about like, you know, you, sure, you're like saying you're going to die for a movement. But like, I have a child inside of me. Like, I, I am now like responsible for a life that is not my own. Like, I can understand that. I can understand how that might blunt your resolve to like, you know, pick up an ak-47 or you know it had me. a point of
1: view yeah I mean, it, and like it was something
0: and it's super interesting because it's like yeah like this makes me want to change the world more but it also makes me more scared of the violence that i could inflict upon myself by trying to change the world and like that to me as a person with a child is a super interesting like almost universal concept that i would have loved to have seen played out a little more uh but we really just got that one scene and then and then that the movie was over. like
2: that was one of the most beautiful moments in the whole film, but it wasn't even fully realized. Like the idea of that moment in my head as I've played it out is the most beautiful thing, but in the film, it's not. And I feel like, I mean, as you, as you were saying about the introduction of her character, it really like, I mean, this is just me projecting my own desires onto this film to a sense, but it really almost felt like it was going to be a corrective, not just um, to like, cinema and black people as we've been seen in cinema historically but also just to the legacy of black women and who were in the Black Panther Party and so often just disappeared from that history mm-hmm. and I was like oh yeah we're. I mean we only got basically one woman and there's the other woman whose name again I've forgotten I'm so sorry but I don't think she even gets a name does she maybe I'm like gaslighting myself I don't think she gets a name but anyways it's like at least we Dominic got one...
1: Thorne Judy I, I believe Judy is the one you're is she the one who's to? always okay. pulling a gun On people, or a late out of a boot? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. The badass one. I mean, it's cool. (laughs) Yeah, but at least with Dominique's character, I was like, okay, we'll at least have a stand-in for all black women (laughs) with this one black woman, and that didn't even happen. And I don't know. I mean, that's as much as I say I am a hater. I also, at the end of the day, I'm a very sincere person who also gives people the benefit of doubt and, and expects them to do the right thing. So it's like I don't know why I would ever expect people other than the goodness of my heart expect <laughs> expect the, the film directed written produced all by black men to ever consider that as an option but for some reason i did you know and it's like lo it's, and behold we're, we're giving an inch taking a mile like i don't even know what i'm saying i'm so angry it's just weird to me because like <laughs>
0: i and this is i have no i have no power i have no responsibilities for creating like a movie but it's just to me is like in looking at this and seeing what could be mined for the most satisfying and interesting narrative moments, it, it seems very clearly to be that thing. Like, why wouldn't you go for it? Like is, why is your, why is your blindness that intense that you don't notice what you have? Like, why are you, why are you kicking the rocks around when there's just like a nice brick of gold sitting off to the side? That you're exactly. using as a paperweight. It's so strange to me.
2: That's what this whole movie feels like.
1: Yeah. <sighs> okay, um, I'll say one more nice thing. I thought the scene with... I, I, I Fine, one thing. <laughs> <laughs> as, as far as one other scene that I thought dramatically was decently directed, even though it felt disconnected for the entire rest of the film, was the scene with uh, Jake's mom. When uh, he goes to when sorry when Fred goes to comfort yes uh, Jake's mom and it like it has a pathos and like an ease yes. to it that the rest yes. of the movie does not have whatsoever. Another that scene. is the
2: movie that the rest of the movie wants to be. That scene is actually yes. he, yeah that scene is my favorite scene and also yeah another moment of like realizing like what was the lived history of black women who were maybe not even in the the party, but adjacent to it, mothers to it, sisters to it, et cetera.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah. And another scene that I think would have benefited from, you know, people being cast age appropriately.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, you know, yeah. cause I, I think of, I think of like, you know, when, when I, when I was 20 and had to go see the parents of a friend of mine who died, like that's a much different experience than I, if I had to go do that same thing today.
3: Mm-hmm. you know
0: because like there is when you're that young th- they just look at you different you know yeah, you, you yeah. and you you you're you're <clears throat> what's the word i'm looking for your relationship with them is different because like now it's like oh i have a child and i've had a, you know jobs for you know 10 years now but at that point it's like you should be in college like you know you should be yeah. you were you just like two years ago you had to ask someone's permission to go out Past nine o'clock, you know, like there's just Ray. the the, the different the, world. The dew of youth is still wet upon your brow. I don't know. I'm too tired to come up with a good metaphor. But there is just something different there. And so it sure. I think it would have been another wow. moment to just drive home the youth of of this man who was mm-hmm. murdered in his it is drug-induced sleep. You know who's
1: not 35. <laughs> who is
0: yeah, who is not as old as Daniel Kallius. <laughs> oh man um do we have any other have we hit everything (laughs) do we have anything else that we want to say i don't even know what just happened
1: we didn't even mention martin sheen as i did like i did like once is a joke
0: i saw him Uh, as hoover and i thought oh my god he's aged terribly and then i was like no that's got to be hoover makeup right
2: I didn't know it was makeup until I read about it today
0: <laughs> I just I think I, I didn't know it was but I hoped it was right because like Martin Sheen gives me hope for my old age and I just don't I, I don't want to have one of those ones where like oh god we all die don't we
3: <laughs>
0: yeah he was a. Uh, I I would I would venture to say that he was parodic in a bad
3: way He's like
2: the the thing that really gets me about his character is like the shadowy slideshow man. <laughs> like just click next slide, these individuals. Like I'm sure that's exactly how it went, but it was just I'm like I was watching the film. I was like, did they even have that kind of projector back then? Like totally <laughs> fucking nerd like ready to be the cop of this film? Like I don't think that's historically accurate. <laughs>
0: Yeah, when are we like the? I mean, between this and and uh, another Leonardo DiCaprio movie, Jay Edgar. (laughs) I mean, just like, is he just such a repellent historical figure that no one can even play him well? (laughs) He's
2: like that's the thing. It's like, how do you play someone that was such an actual villain in real life? It's uh, like playing Hitler. Like, there's never really gonna be a good. Right. Robin, it's one,
1: be that like was so vice bad. as well.
0: But I think that's the thing is that like it's if if you and it's hard not to hate these people like I don't know Hitler and Hoover you know <laughs> the ones that we've just named. But I'm like just agreeing with me
1: so much. Like <laughs> I'm sorry
0: that you're saying the most basic things that I. I don't think I, you know, I, I can pick my hills to die on, you know, on this podcast. Uh, and Jay Edgar Hoover was a swell guy is not one of them, <laughs> you know, there's just, that's, that's not something I need to be concerned about. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I think that J Edgar, the movie had the unenviable task of trying to do like a cradle to grave kind of thing to kind of give him context. But even then I think they were like, but we all know he's a monster, right? Like, it's still going to happen that way. Like, I think, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know, like, what level of, not even empathy, but just, like, further understanding you need of someone to get a good thing out of that. But then even if, if you're able to create that that performance, who would want to see it?
2: I I forgot that movie existed until right now.
0: <laughs> I apologize for reminding you of that movie.
2: And I'm still not sure that it, you didn't just make it up.
0: <laughs> the first movie that was filmed entirely on concrete. <laughs> oh god i hated that movie anyway um so yeah uh (laughs) martin sheen in this movie uh not great and again he he's integral in the the whole jesse plemons suddenly turning into an asshole thing which i still don't think was motivated or well well illustrated or telegraphed or anything like that
2: i i was bad
1: enough to be fun
2: i i was reading the theme of this is i was reading um (laughs) that there were several different cuts of the film but they um you know moved around and edited so i'm wondering what was lost on the cutting room floor i think what's really the most obvious thing about this movie is that they tried to make it for an audience and that's not how you make movies which one of you said earlier it's like you can't have an artistic vision that's just like oh we'll do whatever you
3: want
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think that was me um so i don't remember saying it with that (laughs) that, voice but i I might have (laughs) it was yeah.
3: definitely <laughs> I do sometimes do voices on this.
0: I mean, I that's, think that's, that's the
2: director voice. <laughs>
0: that's, my dire- the director voice is usually like mid Atlantic, like, all right, everybody on set now. Um, <laughs> but no, I think, I think that, that it, it, it does not surprise me at all to know that there are multiple cuts. To this movie, this movie feels like it was probably initially shot with a loftier ideal. And I think like, probably like midway through, they were like, you know, if we cut this right, it'll be like, you know, the departed. It it wasn't built on like, what if we did the departed, but about the, it, it feels as though they tried to find that movie in the edit and therefore had to excise a lot of the stuff that they didn't realize is actually very important to those kinds of movies.
2: Exactly. It's definitely a, you can make a fantastic trailer from this movie that is not a good movie.
0: movie? I don't even know if you could, because you know, there's still not a scene where someone says you don't even know which way is up anymore. <laughs>
2: and i think without
0: that line you just don't have the trailer and you don't have the movie it's funny though because plemons at some point does say like i was there i saw you in the thing and like yeah i thought either this guy just i i knew he was gonna bring up the academy awards because no script writer in hollywood
3: knows knows
0: any way to say that someone's a good actor other than saying oh he deserves an academy award so he's like i thought either this guy really deserves an academy award or he really believes this stuff and i'm like that's what you got from him i got jesus uh... i'm so scared to be up here
2: speaking of like going back to like jesse pones's character roy mitchell and um bill like just hanging out in the same restaurant it's like are you really roy mitchell bold enough to go to a black panther party meeting and then make extreme (laughs) sex eye contact with bill o'neill for the entirety of it and you're telling me that Nobody in that crowd full of black people who are experts, specialists in gesture, in movement, in facial expression, saw that strange elongated eye contact between what is clearly a liar and a cop. Like,
0: come on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's the thing. It's like what you were talking about when he like hot wires the car and then is like, I ain't going to try to pick up no honeys in a whip with a that I start with a screwdriver shit. And then he like turns and does the smirk. It's like the movie does not respect us enough. Again, just as a movie viewing public, let alone as like whatever collection of identities no. they wanted us to identify with it mm-hmm. as to be like, oh, look, he sees him. It's like now what we need here is 20 seconds of just cutting between them as Jesse Plemons. eye fucks him.
2: <laughs> exactly and i'm like is no one out like i felt exactly like in that other scene um i think when they're with um the crowns and then that one guy is like yo that's the guy who tried to steal my car and i'm like i felt like that guy i was like that is the guy like guys <laughs> like i was just fooling everybody
0: but that's the thing is that in my head <clears throat> what you do at that point is if you're an undercover guy, is be like, why do you think I joined up with the movement? Like, because I had a shitty life. But of course like, this works better if you're a 17 year old and not a 30 year old. Sure, sure. Because sure. like as a 30 year old, it's like, you're 30 years old and you're still pretending to be an FBI agent to steal cars. Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, man. Yeah. But like yeah. he should have been like, and he kind of does, but the scene is just written and acted all wrong. It's like why, like, you know, of course I was stealing cars. I got stabbed, sort of, you know, I got pinched by the cops like my life was not going in the right direction and you guys seem to get shit and I need to be a part of that I need that structure I need exactly. to put that toward because then not only are you just like yeah steal cars I'm great you're like you're you're forging the emotional connect I shouldn't have to teach these people how to write an undercover character you <laughs> forge the emotional like- connection <laughs>
2: <laughs> there's so many like I know and I feel like we're all just like beating on a dead horse because it's just so obvious but it's like that's another one of those things with this age difference it's like these realizations of character and like humanness that are from teenagers is not the same as realized in like almost 30 year olds or 30 year olds like that that wanting to belong wanting someone to take care of you wanting wanting a place where your work or contribution is a value it's totally different at that I'm, I'm just repeating everything we've already said but you know there's <laughs> There's that scene um, where um, there's kind of the shootout and then he runs out the back and you're like, oh my God. this fucking guy. But then in my No one's head, like, hey, how to... did you
0: survive that? <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then it's like, I have to remove myself from the movie and the story that they're mistelling. And I have to remind myself, like, yeah, that is actually how, like, a scared little boy, which he is, would run away, you know? But it's like, I don't under... This is like... I don't. I don't feel like in this like two hours that we've been talking. I've been. E- I've been even to get to like a depthy criticism because there's so many glaring issues that I just keep coming back to me like f- horrible nightmare flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling so bad about bringing you. On. <laughs> it's okay. Here's
3: the thing. I, I, I'm I a will passionate s- person. <laughs> I will say
0: that uh, I've had more fun talking about this movie than I did watching it. And I feel in some ways that this conversation made the two hours that I spent with this movie last night worth it.
2: <laughs> like- yeah, in a, in a way it hasn't failed in that sense. And that... <laughs> <laughs>
3: It's just like it, it, if, if
0: I didn't have this podcast, like if I wasn't sitting here talking to you two, clearly very intelligent, thoughtful, passionate people, and if I had just watched that movie and then had to live the rest of my life, that I would, be would annoy
3: so me.
2: Mad. Like, like, as you're saying, I'm enjoying this conversation. The seeing the movie has the purpose of forwarding this conversation, which I am enjoying. I understand that. If I wasn't on this podcast and I watched that movie, I would be like, Man, I could have done laundry in that an hour and a half. I could have made a meal. I didn't have to
0: pay that weird troll with three secrets to be able to see this movie (laughs) in Canada.
2: Exactly. It's like, uh, I feel bad if the director listens to this, but also I don't feel
0: that (laughs) i I hate i hate shitting on things that people took a lot of time with but like you know you're never gonna that's it it feels weird to say you're never gonna get better if you don't know what you did wrong in the first place
2: and it's such like especially as not just a black critic but just a black regular, regular person it's such like for me not so much anymore but when i was first starting like public criticism like being published like it's a it's hard to like stand in relief to everyone as a black person to be like, this movie by a black person is not good. Like, it's really difficult, because you're, like, rooting for them, but, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, I I don't, I don't deal in grey, <laughs> you know, I <laughs> do in black and white, I don't, you know, I think that things need to be called out, or it's just like, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not revolution, it's reform, to quote Fred Hampton himself. <laughs> and reform is just cosmetic my um that's the quote <laughs> my favorite
0: uh, oh, i was gonna say something my favorite thing is always whenever like a review or something starts off with can we first acknowledge how important it is and you're just like oh you hated this movie didn't you
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's the. that's a, and that's what i mean by like when i was tweeting about critics who haven't done the readings i feel like maybe you took me literally as in literally reading i just mean people who have like the the political savvy and know-how and common sense to, like, it's, like, you don't have to put a rejoinder on a Hollywood film and be like, I understand that this is an important talk. Like, of course it Like, duh. Like, of course it is. But that doesn't mean you're not allowed to critique it. Why is it why is it, like, um, totally ensconced away in some kind of glistening tower from any type of critique? But it's, like,
1: insert oh. <laughs> I just want to say, it. like, that was shortly after we confirmed, and I saw that tweet, and, like, oh
3: fuck
2: <laughs> <laughs> I no, because then I saw you saw it and then I was like now they're gonna think I know a lot about Fred Hampton and I'm just like <laughs> average I just mean like no- you can just tell who is you can tell a person's politics from their criticism you know that's essentially the point or who hasn't learned it I mean we're all at different stages of we're learning God knows I'm learning God knows I certainly wasn't no Fred Hampton at the age of 21 Jesus Christ I was a <laughs> dumb bitch but, <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: now you don't I have to am. answer this but for context how old are you now?
2: I'm 31
0: okay yeah, yeah. so you're a decade removed yeah I'm 33 so I definitely I'm like looking back at 21 year old Brian I'm like ugh Christ
3: but I also if they,
0: made a,
2: a... But no, also they, if they made a movie about me when I was 21 it'd be fun so
0: oh, my, my 21 movie <laughs> would be a fucking rager
2: yeah, it wouldn't be anything revolutionary. Wouldn't be about radical politics, but it would be enjoyable to watch.
0: No, it would be like train spotting, but with I bourbon would... instead of heroin. <laughs> <laughs> like the good, like the fun first part, not after the all bad stuff. Um, you dive
1: into any toilets.
0: No, <laughs> uh, no, I did once, just because Wait. you asked. Uh, the the I once someone dropped a bottle of of bourbon and it shattered and went all over the floor and um. We did soak it up with sponges and still drink it. No!
2: Which might... (laughs) Oh my god, the little glass shards making their way into your tummy. I can see it now.
0: We put it through a coffee filter.
2: Oh my god. That doesn't make
0: better. I know it doesn't, Michael. (laughs) Have you listened to most of the stories I've told about my younger years? I was a wreck. a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Was an accidental part of a drug deal. I mean, who does that happen to?
3: <laughs> <Anyway>. You.
0: Yes. <laughs> oh boy. Um. So yes. Um. I can't even. I can't even remember. Here's the thing. Like you know, talking about just like people's reviews and their reactions to it. Like, it really, <clears throat> it really does seem like. You know, I, I came to this movie and it was just like, well, it failed as as like a movie, as like an undercover genre, whatever movie. And then like, you know, I, I if I had had the time, I would have done more reading to see all the ways that it failed as a historical document. But like. At the end of the day, like my my review would probably read such as like, you know, hey, like uh, this just isn't a good movie, just on a narrative level, like before <laughs> we even get into the historical context and the ways that it fails that like. It's just not an effective thriller. It's just not good. So the fact that anyone, no matter what their political alignment or what they believe like the the intent of the movie was and how laudable that may or may not be is, I just think that like on a basic level, you should be able to say, like, yeah, this movie doesn't work in that exactly.
1: way. Don't yeah. look at the internet then. That's <laughs> so crazy to me. Ooh, disagree. But
2: it's like, that's at the, I feel like, I mean, I was tweeting about this a while ago. It's like, culture writing and film criticism can overlap, but there's times when there's film writing by culture writing, culture writers who are just not talking about how a film should work. And that's something I really hate. Right. But, They're um, just like,
0: Oh, because it's about this, that's a really important thing. And it's like, no, but exactly. it doesn't, it's not. And that's kind of, I kind of allowed, I allowed myself, I didn't have the time um, to, to just exist as that kind of viewpoint on this particular episode of the podcast. Because I was like, no matter how much reading I do in the next 12 hours, I'm not going to be well versed enough to feel like I can talk expertly about the life and times of Fred Hampton. But I have seen enough movies like this to know how it failed just as a cops and robbers movie.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And I think that, you know, also going back to like black folks not wanting to publicly criticize work by black people, it's like. It's like, we shouldn't be bringing scarcity mentality to movies that cost millions and millions <laughs> of dollars. It's like, completely yeah. antithetical to that. And it's like setting us up to make us feel as if we have failed a system that is designed to fail us. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just... It drives me nuts, and it's like I like I get I get the impulse. Like we're all allowed to have that impulse, but you have to have the thought after the impulse that's telling you that impulse is wrong. This isn't (laughs) like a coffee
0: house poetry slam where like someone gets up says something and you're like, ooh, that was a bad poem, but like, hey, the courage to get up there, exactly, all that. This is a this was a multi million (laughs) dollar multinational corporation's product, exactly, and it can still be treated as such.
2: Yeah, and there's so much like. Just even social capital. Like I remember when Ava DuVernay. I can't even remember how it started, but she was blocking just so many Black women on Twitter for criticizing her for something like rightfully. I can't even remember what it is, but it was something that was just oh, so obviously wrong. Yeah. And then I was kind of talking about it, and people were like, "You shouldn't really talk about it." I'm like, "Well, like, just because she is like, what? First of all, what's she gonna do? Is she gonna come to my <laughs> house in the fucking hood, <laughs> find me?" And give me a lecture. She no. will
0: make a scathing documentary.
2: <laughs> it's like, in what world do I? Ha- why am? I- why am I in a position to protect her? Like the the resources, the power, the capital is completely different, and yet I'm s- I'm somehow being fucking designed to be her cultural bodyguard. Like, no, that's not how it works. It's not how keeping each other accountable works. It's not how community works. You know, it's it's such a such a farce.
1: It's dumb it's real dumb. I, I just want to I want to say that it's really funny that we got three people together who don't like this movie considering. <laughs> and
3: fun. again, For you know,
0: that, there doesn't like we don't have to find common ground as has already been said, but isn't it great that somehow we still can because a movie <laughs> was poorly made?
2: I feel like I mean, as much as I say I endeavor to conserve my quote unquote negative energies, there's also like when people ask me to talk about a great film like i can talk about direct talk with directors in a really depthy way but if you just ask me to just come on a podcast and talk about like one of my favorite films i'm like um i like it (laughs) um but if if there's something this is why i think i'm like a born critic if there's something i even despise in the slightest i could talk for hours so well like michael snydell
0: Michael Snydel when I when I said that I did not like this movie Michael Snydel seemed a little nervous because he was like are you just is this just gonna be one of those times where you're like it's not even worth it and I'm like no this movie failed in ways that are so elemental that I feel like it's a good little film master class yeah yeah to go through exactly what didn't work here
2: that's like exactly like If I was a professor, if I finished grad school and went on to do even more grad school and I became a professor of black cinema, I would do a whole course on, like, failed black cinema. And I Mm. would help the young ones see these failures so they could point out these fucking wolves in sheep's clothing clothing politically movies. You know what I'm saying. I'm losing it. I told you guys. (laughs) I told you
1: guys it's gonna
0: been loopy. We are at two Who hours, knows? so yeah, no, we're all getting there. I mean, do you remember my do metaphor? Like, what the fuck was that?
1: <laughs> that was two hours ago, Brian. <laughs> right at
2: the gate.
1: That's how we opened the episode. <sighs> should, should we get? Should we get out of here? I do. I do want to say that
0: I love the idea of having like a cinematic failures movie class because like. It yeah, is difficult re- to see what a movie is doing well when it's doing everything well. You know? Exactly. It's one of those things where you're like, you, 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 if you take a bite of something and it's perfect, right? You're just like, oh, the balance of all the flavors. Yeah. but like if What's something that is,
2: spice? I don't know what it is.
0: Right, everything's just <laughs> melding so perfectly. But if you take a bite into something and you're like, oh shit, this is over salted. And they exactly. did not cook the bread all the way through. You just made two more specific statements about the art of cooking than you did about the thing that was tasting good. Exactly. And now that I've done my food metaphor, I am done talking. Um, (laughs) Do we have any, do we have any final thoughts on this film? No. Fantastic.
2: (laughs) Michael, you sound defeated. I don't have final thoughts. I'm just curious, like as a human on this planet, (laughs) I'm just, (laughs) what's so funny (laughs) in this? i'm just curious (laughs) Uh oh i got the giggles i'm just curious as a human on this planet like how the filmmakers and writers feel like truthfully not as in what they said and done publicly truthfully feel about this movie you know what i mean i always wonder that i I wonder how fred hampton jr and his mom truthfully feel about this movie that's all and i don't even require an answer i'm just wondering about what they're wondering about when I
0: see a movie like this that clearly like people put a lot of energy into and though it might have been misguided or or just didn't it just didn't work out in the end. I do wonder like when you sit in that final viewing room or like if you didn't see it until the premiere like when you sit down and the lights come up. What does it feel like in the pit of your stomach? Like you you <laughs> must know to some level that this didn't go the way you thought it would, right? Like that's
2: Yeah. And that's the thing. I'm like, do they believe their own hype or are they aware and they made a choice? Right. And they still gotta fucking sell this thing. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I always wonder. And I think it's especially with like that specific mode of filmmaking where that kind of self critique is frowned upon because it's a way to lose capital. Like, I really, I just really wonder how that plays out or mostly how it doesn't.
0: All right. Well, that is it for today. Uh, again, that is uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. It is currently in America, the United States of America on HBO Max. Though and we would
1: not recommend it. Yeah, so
0: if you're getting the end of this 2 hours and are like, "Oh, yeah, let me take a look at that." I don't know but what But, you you're know doing.
2: what? We're in a pandemic. <laughs> but there's so much
0: good stuff that people it's haven't true. seen, you know? Like Yeah. You know, watch something else. Um,
2: yeah, play, play Fortnite.
0: That's also a, a thing that people could do. um Though I was more of a PUBG guy than a Fortnite guy. <laughs>
2: well, I like PUBG.
0: Yeah, PUBG. I think it's just a little simpler. I don't know. Fortnite scared me. um I love
2: Fortnite. That's. I think my energy today is also because I've been playing Fortnite all day. So <laughs> I'm,
0: I made the mistake of of working out earlier in the day, you. like midday, and um,
1: you made the mistake of working out. <laughs> I did there. <that. laughs>
0: I've rec- yeah at the beginning of the new year I did the basic human thing of being like I'm gonna get in shape this year because I want to live past 35 but I've actually been sticking with it but today I had a day off from work and I was like yeah it's three o'clock in the afternoon I might as well just row now and then I did and then the rest of my day was spent <laughs> in pain barely able to move oh boy I know. Um, the best part was that my daughter wanted to exercise with me, and so she just jogged in place next to my rowing machine <laughs> and asked me questions the whole time. That's cute. Oh, she's the best. Um, she's great. And then we watched Totoro together. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> so let's let's wrap up. Um, again, we are brought to you by Mubi. Uh, go to m u b i. What did she dot- think about the Black Panthers? Did she have any feelings about? No, them? she didn't. She didn't watch any of this movie with me. which kind of... <laughs> she watched a little bit of one night in miami with me and she seemed pretty invested in it um more so than me
2: well she you
0: know again it's like that thing or if it's that if that's your first insight into all of these people like you might think it was really good but you know oh
2: yeah if i watched one night in miami well i if i when i was like 15 i would be like masterpiece
0: sometimes i think to myself like Oh right, like there are going to be people for whom this is their first blush with whatever, mm-hmm. you know. So like one night in Miami, maybe I found it a little undercooked. Yeah, th- that the, the, some of the arguments were not as well made as they could be. But like if you're a yeah. if you're a 14 year old seeing that, and it gets you started on the path, like
2: good enough.
3: That's, Exa- that's good. yeah.
2: I mean. I, I mean, don't think yeah, that that's the
0: case with Judas and the Black path Messiah. The is,
1: is a show about a cult, so maybe not The Path.
0: <laughs> What's funny about that show, though, is that the process that the cult does is not called The Path. It's called The Ladder. So I would constantly get confused while watching it.
1: That's really confusing. That's yeah. not helpful. No, it's not.
0: Um, <laughs> but yeah, so she liked uh, One oh, Night in Miami. Did she didn't like Martin Eden. And uh, she didn't see any of Judas and the Black Messiah.
2: <laughs> How old is she?
0: She is four years old.
2: Oh. <laughs> so we're like, we're kind of talking about like when my dog likes movies, <laughs> Not a little bit, especially because
0: like one night in Miami, like I could at least like she might get something from it, but Martin, Eden, where they're speaking Italian, just nothing, like, yeah,
2: no. I always find it like, I don't know, this is extremely off topic, clearly, just a social conversation coming from my end now, but I always find it interesting, like, what babies and animals are interested in on screen, like. I run a movie theater, so I take my dog to the movies with me. And she normally just, like, doesn't pay attention. But she was really into New Jack City. And I'm like, what is it about New Jack City? <laughs> like she was, And she, like, lies down in the chair, and it's really cute. And everyone walks by, and they're like, Oh, I suck it up. My little serotonin releases in my head. But <laughs> she, she, like, sat sitting in the chair just watching New Jack City just in trance. And I was like, whoa.
3: Yeah, what is
0: it about cool. this movie?
2: I don't know. Um, Wesley Snipes? I mean, that's possible. No, my
0: daughter like definitely responds to like the energy of movies. So like, there's that, and and she will ask questions. it was funny today because we were watching Up, and she was crying because Kevin the bird got taken, and I was crying because like the guy realized that his wife lived a good life with him, even if they never went to South America. Oh my god! So like, her and I are just like weeping in a chair together, and she's like, "I miss Kevin," and I'm like, "He loved Ellie so much, and she loved him too." <laughs> And then she's like, why did he leave the chairs together like that? And I just say symbolism. And she goes, oh. Anyway. <laughs>
2: and then That's she also, got like, speaking of, like, overcooked movies, like Judas... And the Black Messiah, it's like, at the end of the day, I just want to watch Monsters, Inc. and have a single tear roll down the side of my cheek. That's how easy it is, people. That's so easy it is.
0: Dude, I had, like, a whole Twitter thread about my neighbor Totoro and just being like, my daughter has never been as enthralled in a movie. And she's watched movies about, like, wizards and dragons and witches. She's never been as enthralled as she is watching these two girls kneeling on their floor picking up acorns and then opening windows <laughs> like this is her shit she loves this more than any kind of like magic battle or like seafaring adventure and i'm here for it
2: spike lee you've done it again
1: <laughs> we brought a full circle absolutely all right so yes
0: mubi.com slash film for a free 30 day subscription to movie don't forget that they've got the killer heartthrob ryan gosling uh, hanging out with blue valentine and only god forgives um and then they got some other great stuff including dead pigs so check it out uh don't forget to go to patreon.com slash show to give us your money and that's it michael Snydell, what are we talking about next week
1: uh nomad lander minari i think or maybe saint maude I genuinely
0: have wow, no idea. I can feel the hatred in your voice as you say all three of those. <laughs> I have maybe been dreading uh, talking about those first two. <laughs> all right, so let's do Saint Maud then. As a Catholic, I am here Yay!
1: for it. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like being mean about things. Everybody likes, he said, as he just finished two hours about a movie. Everybody likes.
3: <laughs> Again, I, I,
0: the, the more that my life becomes involved in things that aren't movies, the better I feel. Cause I walked into this and I was like, everyone must not like this movie. Nope. Now apparently I was wrong. And I'm glad that, uh, I did not know that coming in, uh, I might have been more defensive. So anyway, that's, uh, that's all for today. Let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time. Sarah Ty, where can people find your work online?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Sarah Ty, S-A-R-H-T-A-I. And that's about it because I wrote a review of Venom several years ago and had to scrub my web presence. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's cool. More time for Fortnite.
3: That's
0: good. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, Michael Snydell wrote a review of Vice and almost had to do the same thing.
3: (laughs)
1: Yeah. and You know what? I got very confusing comments that didn't seem to understand the possibility that I could have different political views or the same political views as movies and still dislike the movie. (laughs)
0: Look, I have been called a bleeding heart socialist and a cold blooded fascist over the same movie review before so like you know people (laughs) online they may not be great at parsing
1: Uh, which one was it
0: i don't even remember i just remember getting like two tweets within five minutes and i was like do you guys know each other are you pranking (laughs) me
2: are you one guy with two
3: personalities (laughs) oh Uh, boy uh, (laughs)
0: oh
1: Michael, you need to go take a nap.
0: Uh, to that end, why don't you tell people where you can be found online?
1: Yeah, I can be found at Twitter at @snidell. Uh I can be found on Letterboxd. Um, and I have a review of something I definitely know about called Silk Road coming at the, uh, the spool near the end of the week. Um, I have no idea what Silk Road is about. Uh, but maybe the review will be good because I wrote it. <laughs>
2: Oh, can I add one thing because I hey. want to be, po- I want to end positively. I wrote a review of the film Test Pattern, which you should watch if you're in in your house alone. You're like, I would like to watch a movie that is good. You should watch that movie. Right.
1: <laughs> it's. Uh, your rib- are are people going to look at it online?
2: Yeah, it'll be on the Globe and Mail, but I think they will probably have a paywall, which is cool because I work freelance. Um, but even it's, it's less so about the fact that I wrote a review and just the fact that, you know, I feel like there's uh, the movies have been a bit sparse while we're waiting for studios to figure out what gamble they want to take. And this is a nice, nice little indie gem to spend some time on.
3: Nice,
0: Michael Snydell. What are, what's the over under on that movie being about the actual Silk Road trade route or the like dark website?
1: I want to say that it's, Okay, the the tagline is a master oh my god. Is a mastermind is a terrible thing to waste. <laughs> well I'm, I'm thinking watching it. I'm thinking that means it's about the dark web. It stars Jason Clark and Nick Robinson, and Nick Robinson is in a hoodie. That makes me think this is indeed Yep. The ribbon and cramp thriller follows the rise and fall of Silk Road, the infamous dark net site. Oh, my God. Uh, what did I, did I get assigned? Bet. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> Just finding okay. out in real time how much you're going to hate the next thing you have to watch. Anyway, uh, as for me, I can be found on my personal site, Uh Writing is at TheFilmStage.com. And um, uh, that's that's like it, right? You can find every episode of this year' podcast by going to thefilmstage.com. It's so late, And I'm so tired. Uh, and I'm on every social media site at Brian J. Rowan because if there's one thing I know how to do, it's unify a personal brand, baby. So that's it. Thank you so much for joining us and tune in next week.
3: Cause I've got my stream.